The D and Davis Show. D and Davis Show. It's time to get your sports fix through the nation, and particularly here in Chicago, as we wait upon the draft lottery on today's show to help us with the draft and everything NBA. We're going to have Brian Kalbrowski from Hoops Hype rejoin us uh, to talk a little bit about what the Bulls may do, the best fits for the best picks. And a little bit later, we're going to have Sean Sierra from uh, co-host of the Sean and Maya show in the morning to join us to talk about bears and probably some baseball also. So we got a lot to get into. Uh, you definitely have to talk a little bit about that lawsuit that uh, Tigers going into and the Cubs being hot as you know what. And the Sox took an L today, but hey, Mankata is right. My name's Kenneth Davidson. The next voice you hear is D. Demond Sproul. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at D and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D and Davis Show. Facebook.com forward slash D and Davis Show. Email, email address is D and Davis Show at gmail.com. Download the podcast, D and Davis Show, and D and Davis the Flip on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, Spotify, and YouTube. I'm on Twitter at Demons1, D-E-M-O-N-Z-E-1. Ken is on Twitter at That's Davis, a Zick producer of D- the D and Davis Show and D and Davis The Flip, one Mr. Uh, Ryan Bukovesky. Ryan's on Twitter at Ryan B. Ski. And my man, Guy Steve, is in the house with us. Make sure you follow Guy on Twitter, on Twitter at PayTheGuy. Well, look, uh, I was on Tony's uh, Stick to the Thrones podcast yesterday. How did it go? It went well. Uh, definitely, it was uh, me, uh, Tanny, uh, Danny, and uh, Chris and Tony. We oh, had, 670 score family. Yeah, they were definitely here. We recorded out of 670 score. Shout out to Mitch, the plug. Um, but the thing that stood out to me, one of the things that stood out to me in particular, was the night before uh, when, when Tony, I looked at the morning where Tony had posted that he didn't see the shot. you got to be aware of the inbounder here if you're filling. It's off to Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? From Kawhi, and I was like, <laughs> "How could you complain all this time about Thrones being bad, and you actually watched it live? You watched it live." But listen, I was sitting there in the third quarter. It was about seven forty-five, I believe, and I was looking like, "Man, this 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 game is going to go way past the beginning of Thrones." I'm like, maybe twenty minutes or whatever. Man, even Afton was sitting there like, "What?" Whoa! Like mm-hmm. when that dude, when he drop, he I haven't seen someone yes. drop a country. He literally dropped America right there, right? Like I'm about to drop these mugs right. Why well, he just dropped one city in America? Really? I think he dropped the whole country. Oh no! It was the whole. He it no. was it was from Philadelphia to San Antonio. No, <laughs> maybe Philly and San Ann. I give you that. I mean, if you are a fan of if you're a fan of either one of those teams, the Spurs or the Sixers. You had to be so pissed off. I mean, the six is basically you're, you're thinking the game's going in OT. It's like mm-hmm. it's it's clanging around. You like, oh yeah, okay, we're going OT, and it drops in, and your heart just goes four doinks, one, two, three, four in the basket. And then if you're a Spurs fan, all you're thinking about is we had this on our team, and we had to trade him away because he didn't want to be here any longer. I can't stand get me that out of San Antonio. But man, Kawhi. Kawhi did his thing. I mean, if you look at the fact that in this playoffs, what Kevin Durant was doing before he went down, uh, I know that the NBA doesn't have uh, playoff uh, awards for the playoffs, but right now, Kawhi, he's probably your MVP of the playoffs right now. Mm, that's a good one. It would, it would definitely be between him and Giannis. Him and Giannis. Well, even KD. 
if KD was healthy all the way through. If KD was healthy. Yeah, KD was healthy all the way through. Uh, it'll definitely be that. But listen, you got the 76ers uh, going up against the Milwaukee Bucks. That game is tomorrow, first game in the Eastern Conference Finals. And tonight, we record right here, 670 score, as Ken said. Uh, we have Portland versus the Golden State Warriors. So we got two dynamic backcourts going to get against each other. But... As Ken led off with uh, Kawhi Leonard, man, Kawhi going up against Gian- Giannis. That's going to be something. Yeah, those two teams going to that's going should to be, be ter- something. Should be terrific. Yeah. Uh, one thing that still it stuck out, it stuck out to me, and you see it a lot today, is the uh, CJ McCollum uh, podcast that came out last summer when KD was on there, and KD was like, you, "Oh yeah, you guys are serious." And he he's eating or chewing something, which is even more disrespectful. Like, with you guys, his white sock brim on. He's like, "Guys, you really, you know, you don't think you won the championship? Y'all stay down." He basically like, "Y'all stay down there and play with them. We gonna handle real business up here." It's like West Coast Avengers and the real Avengers. It's like mm-hmm. Cap Cap didn't say the East Coast Avengers because we don't. We the Avengers, damn it. I mean, that's basically what KD pulled on him. Man. And if if they listen, if they get close. To beat in Portland. And of course, it will be because KD isn't there. But it will be you mean karma. If, you mean if the series is closer than what he what they expected. That yeah, karma itself will be like, I told you, KD, you shouldn't be like that. Like, oh, oh they don't this care. Sweet- if they win, they, we win. They I'm talking about if Portland. About I'm, oh. saying, I'm saying if Portland, basically. Oh. That's what I'm saying. Not if they win. I'm saying if Portland. Because, I mean, listen. Look. This series is a lot tighter with KD out of it. That super X factor mm-hmm. that they had. Now you have best backcourts going against best backcourts. Of course, I would probably lean defensively because of Clay to the uh, to the Golden State Warriors. But looking at what McCullum is doing and what Dame did in the OKC series, man. Well, listen, I have, I've said it here. To me, Dame is my uh, first team point guard this year. Mm-hmm. I, I I think he deserves it. I, I have him right there. So to see him and Curry, Chef Curry, go at it, it's gonna be tasty and spicy. Both of these conference finals are tasty and spicy. Oh yeah, no, both of them, both of these uh, conferences are gonna be great. But looking at but looking at the Portland Golden State Warriors uh, series, this is basically the first iteration of the dynasty with the Golden State Warriors going up against this new. Portland Trailblazer team who has kind of grown up and now finally made it to the Western Conference the first time since 2000 when Shaq them put them out in that in that fourth quarter uh, debacle mm. by the Blazers mm-hmm. first time they're back in the Western Conference Finals uh, but it's kind of like that and that's why kind of go back to what we was talking about before with uh, the Warriors in in Houston it's like listen they still going up against a championship team. You don't have KD, you don't have Boogie, but remember, this team won a championship the first time, and he won 73 games the but, next time, but they're older. No, the bench isn't there. In the bench, yes, I'm, but I mean, I'm, talk, I'm talking about the core, though. You have Barbosa on the bench. I'm talking about the core, I'm just saying, like, if you think about some of the players they had. Oh, though, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. part of that team was because they had the players they had coming off the bench, Boris too. Boris and, yeah, Barbosa and all those guys, yeah, when yes. You, when you're talking about those, David I mean, West. You, you still had Harrison Barnes on that team. You had Harrison Barnes, but you so, still, but at least you still have the original starting fives. So you still have to go up against that. Now, I'm with you, though. Of course this series is a lot closer with uh, with KD out. But they might be able to get Boogie back because now they're saying um, DeMarcus Cousins is a little bit healthy and possibly could return in this series. I don't know how that's going to affect the Warriors' flow because without Boogie and without KD, man, that ball was moving, moving, moving in that second half, really throughout the game, and then... Steph Curry just took off in that fourth quarter. But it's going to be a great series, man. I'm, I'm very excited about both these conference finals. Um, listen, if, the, if, the, if, the, if Portland can take out Golden State, then it's up, it's up for grabs for anybody. I'm still saying if Golden State makes it to the championship, they're probably going to win, Ken. Not if they don't have KD. 
I don't give them a I don't say okay. that that's a not even in this series? I can see them getting past this series. Okay, give me a give me a give me a percentage. Um I give them I will say I will give them sixty five percent probably, sixty to sixty five percent. Of still winning, going to state. Of beating okay. Portland. Okay. But I don't give them the same numbers against uh Kawhi or against Giannis, against mm. the Bucks or against and I'm not saying that they wouldn't be favored, but I think it would be the numbers would be closer to sixty to fifty five. Uh, if they don't have KD, because I mean, one, you look at what Giannis did, what the Bucks did playing that team this year. They played them well, and that you don't have your X factor. One of the players that we were looking to probably stick uh, play against Giannis was KD. And the thing is, since KD has so many players on his team that can score, he could have focused more on defense. So that's one thing. And then you look at what Kawhi's doing. Hey, Clay can try if he wants to. I don't think he's stopping them. that beast as Kawhi Leonard right well, now. Well, actually, then you got to think about it like this: Kawhi is probably going to be playing Clay. So that's going to take out Clay. So yeah, I mean Clay is a great defender. He's not on the level of Kawhi yeah. because look at what Kawhi did was able to do against uh, Jimmy Butler in that last game. Jimmy Butler was I, he was the best player on the seven, on the Sixers throughout this run, and Kawhi was putting up ungodly numbers. The conference finals is going to be great, everybody. Hey, but you know what? We're going to talk some more hoops and maybe a little bit of that too with Brian Kabrowski of Hoops Hype. All right, you come on, come on with us and talk a little NBA draft and all that. Come on back. Dean Davis Show. What's up, everybody? It's Cameron Smith from CBS 2 Chicago. You're listening to the D and Davis Show. D and Davis Show right now on the line from Hoops Hype. Also, he's the NBA Wire editor for USA Today. Coming back to the show, we have Brian Kalbroski joining us. Brian, how you doing this evening? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Chicago is all the buzz right now, man. So I'm hyped to be talking to you guys out there. Uh, there's, uh, there's so much going on with the G League Elite Camp finishing up. Uh, heading into the NBA Combine uh, with so many great players, you know, in Chicago right now. Uh, but of course, you know, that missed the main point of the uh, NBA draft lottery tonight. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun, uh, you know, following that, heading into the game side too. Yeah, Brian, real quick with the G League Elite, who are some of the players that we should be paying more attention to that can end up popping up on NBA teams going forward next season? I think the first name that you'll probably want to watch is Karen Davis from Ole Miss. Uh, he was the one that was uh, considered to be the most impressive by uh, so many out there. Um, he ended up getting an invite to the NBA G League Combine as well. Uh, the reporting now, though, is that for the most part, a lot of the other names that a lot of people were very excited about, uh, the team kind of punted on letting them get an invite to the NBA Combine, too, because what that does is it gives them, um, you know, basically uh, more competition, more eyes uh, from, the, from the guys uh, that will be following them. Uh, in the NBA Combine. So what this eventually does, it kind of helps you hide the players that you like. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people that I saw that were out there that were really good, Dylan Sheetham out from Arizona State, really, really loved him. Thought that was a huge, huge snub. Ethan Happ out of Wisconsin, another guy who I thought was a really big snub. Um, I'm I'm a huge fan of Robert Franks out of Washington State. Uh, He didn't look particularly good um, on the court during his first scrimmage game. Uh, but he's a huge, he's a, he's a huge success in the three point line during college in 40% and has a seven foot three wingspan. So he's a long shooter. And another name that I really put on people's radars is, uh, Daquan Jeffries as well. Um, who, you know, did, uh, get an invite, um, to the, to the NBA combine. Uh, so those are, those would probably be the two. Ethan Happen, Robert Franks, um, you know, from, uh, that didn't get the invite. And then Terrence Davis and Daquan Jeffries, Daquan Jeffries out of Tulsa who did. Now, let me ask you this, Brian. If the if the Bulls stay at four, best case scenario, do you think the Bulls are going to go with Garland uh, from Vanderbilt since the Bulls are looking for a point guard? Or are they going to go best player available? 
I mean, I think you'd have to consider the possibility of them trading out as well. Um, I think that you know, across the board, it's a uh, it's a fairly tough um, it's a fairly tough spot to be in um, right now for if in that three to six range. Really, uh, there's a consensus one and two. Um, you know, Barrett is probably considered the three pick, uh, but after that, I mean, it, get, it gets fairly tough. Um, you know, Garland is a fairly ball dominant player, uh, and so is Zach Levine. And that begs the question of what you do with Chris Dunn too. I think that there is a lot more value even a little bit later. Um, uh, you know, within that kind of 11 to 14 range, there are some guys there that I like a lot. Um, you know, with Jackson Hayes out of Texas, Brandon Clark out of Gonzaga, some two-way bigs with those two players. If you want to swing for the fences, maybe go for a bull bull who should be there in the late lottery. Um, that's probably what I would do if I were the Bulls. There's going to be a lot of teams that are probably trying to do that, though. Uh, so I think that, you know, by showing that hand, you kind of end up, um, you know, showing that you're not interested, which then you sort of lose a little bit of leverage there. Um, but if there's any way you can even pick up another second-round pick or something uh, to move down and get somebody who maybe fits the system a little bit better, um, bolstering that front court uh, with Wendell Carter Jr., who's a player that I like a lot, giving him another guy to match his skill set or complement it uh, would probably be the best fit for me, in my opinion. Dean Davis on the line right now, Brian Kalbroski. Uh, follow him at Brian Kalbroski. Brian, real quick. Uh, I want to go to last year's draft when you talk about moving down and getting some value. Uh, we had a discussion yesterday about Michael Porter Jr., who was at Mizzou was high ranked. Of course, he was injured, and now you hear that he's pretty healthy. Uh, one, do you think that teams should have really took the, took a swing at him last year, or is it a situation where that black that back is too iffy and most teams red flagged him and it was it was better to stay away from him? Um, I think for, you know across the board that's a matter of priority in terms of what you value. Um, I mean, he is a player that. Uh, that I that I you know fascinated by because I think his upside is so high. Um, but for me, that's somebody that I kind of put red flags on uh, because I think with the Bulls right now, um, you're going to want to keep a keep a healthy core out there if you're developing your young talent, and that's just not somebody that I'm confident uh, is going to be able to really be on the court. Um, and I think you know across the board, while it's while it's obviously super nice to have uh, the flexibility of swinging for the fences. Uh, I don't think that's really a position the Bulls are in right now. So that's that's not what I would do uh, if I were the Bulls. I wouldn't I wouldn't really look at Porter. Um, he's somebody who I kind of have off my board, at least a lot lower than other people uh, have him on theirs. And um, you know, while I think he definitely has a, has a chance to you know rehabilitate himself and be probably potentially you know top three or four big in this draft, uh, that's not really what uh, what I would be doing right now if I were in that position. Uh, just you know, based based almost entirely on, on health concerns, to be honest with you. Brian, one name that's obviously not going to be in the number one, number two, I'm, thinking, I'm, I'm speaking about R.J. Barrett. Uh, just give me your your thoughts on his potential ceiling in the NBA. And also, too, let's, let's say if the Bulls are there at three or he's there at four, is there no chance that they just draft him? Uh, yeah, I think that if they're at three... Um, like you just said, that's probably the player that I would that I would imagine that they would target. Um, I mean, he's somebody who I think uh, obviously has um, you know a ton of potential, and I think will honestly uh, you know play better playing away from Zion, uh, such a high usage player. Uh, he he, I think um, you know is somebody who uh, I think would actually complement Zach Levine because they're both you know very very good athletes. Um, but you know across the board. I think it's still a little bit uh, far away from what I would probably, uh, you know, want out of out of my out of my top three pick. But you know, he was considered a higher a higher pick in a lot of ways coming out of high school. 
uh, than Zion Williamson was. And I think that's really worth considering um, is just this guy has a, a really, really, really high floor and a really, really high ceiling. Uh, so I think there's, there's a lot to like about him, too. Uh, I think it really just comes down to, you know, proje- you know the, the, the projections that you've got uh, within that system um, and what kind of offense we're going to be running um, and how much, you know, we're really putting uh, into, you know, what the players, we really, well, what role do we want Zach Levine to be playing? How much do we want the ball in his hands? Uh, I mean, Zach Levine, I think, um, is somebody who has a lot of folks really excited right now, um, but also, you know, I think he might have turned it down just a little notch um, and play a little bit more efficiently rather than more of a Russell Westbrook type, who I think is, uh, you know, a, a fairly fair comparison to him. Um, or yeah, so I think, uh, you know, for, for me, I, I think I, I, you know, you kind of do want another star, right? And mm-hmm. I think Barrett at least has the potential to be that star. D and Davis show on the line with us right now, Brian Kalbroski of Hoops Hype. Uh, Brian, you had wrote an article not that long ago about Zach Levine on Hoops Hype, and, you know, just kind of showing like his scoring ability around the basket. And now with the extension of uh, uh, Boylan to the Bulls, what do you think about or how do you feel about Boylan's X's and O's going forward with this team? Um, you know, he's a, I mean, obviously the first word that really comes to mind when folks talk about him. Uh, is his intensity, right? And I think that that's kind of what we what we would love to see uh, to get Zach Levine focused. And I think that Boylan is a good fit for him in that sense. Uh, Levine can be a little bit known as a, a bit of a prima donna, a little bit of a diva type. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, having kind of a, a coach that can potentially get the most out of him, um, you, you don't want someone who's very laissez-faire and go with the flow. And I think that may have been a little bit of a problem with Koiberg. Uh, you're right. Like as I said, uh, Levine is one of the best scorers near the rim and can score in so many ways near the rim. Um, and, you know, when he is ball dominant, he can kind of create for himself too, both out of the pick and roll uh, and just by driving and the ISOs. Uh, he's somebody who I think uh, is, is a very fantastic um, at least option for uh, a young team because I think that he, he's able to score uh, in a lot of different ways. And I, I like that about him. Um, I think that moving forward, uh, what I'd like to see from him is, you know, an improved confidence and improved um, the accuracy from from the three point line. That's kind of a a universal thing we like to see from our players. But I think it, with him especially, it would take him from you know potentially the kind of jump that we saw with uh, D'Angelo Russell last year. They're different players, but you know potentially needs to conference all star next season. I think that you know if he if he gels and vibes well with Boylan, then that's a that's a very fair uh, projection for him. Brian, you mentioned Bowl Bowl, and before he blew his ACL out this year at Oregon, he was looked at a player to be at least in the top six. How do you think his game is going to transition to the pros? He, he definitely has that at perimeter shot, but I'm, and I'm, clearly he's going to play the five, but how well is it going to transition? And are there any other players of value that you can see fitting into the Bulls system that we really haven't heard about in this draft? Yeah, I think that's a really great question because – you know, I, I have a lot of interest in Bull Bull for a lot of reasons. I actually went to the University of Oregon uh, and have followed that basketball program very closely, as close as I followed any team in any sport, really. Uh, so Bull Bull was somebody that, you know, I was, I was ridiculously excited about uh, heading into the draft uh, or heading into the college, his college process. Uh, it was a real bummer uh, for me that, you know, it didn't work out, that he could, um, you know, really be somebody uh, that, that ended up getting real playing time. Uh, for them, um, you know, because of his injuries, I also had a chance to see him in the Jordan Brain Classic here in Brooklyn, and then again a year later, kind of watching his year-over-year development uh, during a tournament here at Madison Square Garden in two games. I went to 
you know, both games in the tournament. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, I, I thought his touch was a little bit off. Um, one thing that I think that people don't quite realize about him uh, is that he's actually a fairly good playmaker. He can take the ball, you know, at the top of the key and sort of see over everybody and, and kind of make a play uh, because he just has an edge over his defenders. Uh, that was a little bit more of an advantage going against smaller competition uh, in college, uh, but I think it'll play a little bit of a role in the NBA as well. Uh, I think it's, you know, fair to compare him in some ways to Porzingis, who also has his own health issues. Um, but I think, you know, across the board, uh, it'll be really interesting uh, to, to see, um, you know, what kind of touch and intensity he has going into the next level, too. Uh, that was a big concern uh, of mine whenever I watched him play, uh, just because I didn't feel that he was playing with the same heart that I would have hoped. Uh, I think that, you know, I think that when that million-dollar check starts cashing, that might change up a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, you have to you have to really kind of keep him focused, too. Uh, he's somebody who has, like I, like I said before, a ridiculously, ridiculously high um, uh, ceiling, but his floor could be out of the league in a few years, too, uh, just depending on his health. Uh, I think, you know, he's a serviceable player. Uh, he's somebody who I think will fit in so many different rotations. Uh, I think that he has, um, you know, uh, a lot of just natural ability that you can't uh, you can't find uh, from anybody else really. I mean, he has he has traits that um, you know are, are near impossible uh, to create uh, things that you'll never get by working out in the gym, you know. Um, but he he has them just based on his own uh, body type and and everything else that uh, is really special and, and worth you know worth kind of monitoring, following uh, for him. So. I feel that Bull Bull is somebody who uh, can really make or break a team, though. Uh, I think that he has uh, a ton of uh, interest around the league, but you're going to want to see the medicals. And if I'm his agent over at CAA, I'm probably going to want to hide those medicals <laughs> unless they're really good. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, there's a chance those medicals could come out well, uh, but there's also a chance that, you know, there's something in there that the team doesn't like. Uh, and, you know, that'll really hurt his draft stock. Uh, there are mock drafts that I've seen him that projected somewhere in the 20 range. I mean, he's a top five talent if he's healthy. And I'll, I'll leave you, uh, at least from the Bull Wolf uh, perspective with this. I mean, I've, I've spoken with somebody you know, in the NBA who's followed Bull Bull fairly closely, and his analysis of it was that if he wanted to, he could have been um, you know, the second pick overall in this draft. That was before the injury, he basically told me that uh, Bull Bull easily could have been a second pick over behind Zion, or he could have done literally nothing at all, just nothing, and still been a lottery pick. Um, and that's kind of, I think, you know, what we were starting to see even before he got injured is he, he would have been uh, a lottery pick, but he didn't necessarily have to show anything. He was very efficient. He was able to score in several different ways. Um, but to me, I think he can get really bullied by somebody like Stephen Adams um, or, or – or Clint Capella, who's just so much bigger than he is. Dan Davis on the line right now, Brian Kalbrowski. I mean, Kalbrowski. Brian, let me ask you this. As far as wing players, you look at, let's say, Zion's gone, let's say R.J. Barrett is gone, and then you have guys like uh, Jared Culver and DeAndre Hunter. What value do you place on them? Which one would you take first and why? I think that, you know, they're both, they're both fairly similar, uh, and I think a lot of it will come down to team fit. Um, and really, I think that... Uh, is really depending on how, how you evaluated them. Um, so that is, is something that, you know, I think a lot of folks are going to have to um, debate amongst themselves when it comes to, you know, what, they, what they're looking for.
But if you're looking for somebody on the wing, um, you know, Barrett, I think, like you said, is, is really the top pick. Um, but there are, there are certainly some other guys out there uh, who could do fairly well for you. Even Romeo Langford and Nasir Little, mm. uh, two guys who have kind of fallen for like 12 and 14 and, and most mock drafts. Uh, Kevin Porter, uh, kind of in the 16 area as well. Uh, those are three guys who have the potential to be the best wings in this draft above even Culver and Hunter. Obviously, Culver and Hunter are getting a ton of love right now um, because of, you know, what they did to get their team to the title and, you know, for one of their cases, actually winning the title. Um, but I could, I could fully see a scenario where Nasir Little or Romeo Langford, Romeo Langford had to play through injury all of last year. Um, Nasir Little is somebody who uh, just really didn't materialize, but he's also very young. Uh, so for me, I think that it'll be, it'll be super interesting uh, to follow something like, like that um, you know, with, uh, with, with uh, the overall projections of, uh, of you know, the mock drafts versus actual reality because um, there, there are certainly players uh, in this draft who could have, you know, uh, certainly better careers uh, than what we've seen, um, uh, you know, based on the mock drafts and everything. Two more names for you that I'm interested in seeing with how they do in the NBA the next level is Rui Hachimura and uh, Cam Reddish. What do you think about those two guys? Uh, I, I don't, I mean, so I think Reddish uh, is somebody who, who really does have um, a, a good NBA body, mm-hmm. but I, I just don't, I don't see it uh, for me um, based on his, um, based on his hustle and his love for the game. I mean, there's a chance that that could be proven to be uh, incorrect, you know, when I actually watch him play and when, when things actually take hold on the court uh, at the NBA level, um, but he just did not. Uh, show me what I wanted to see, um, you know, when I was watching him play uh, before this. So should he uh, probably stay I, in school? This was with Reddish. That's what you asked. About, yeah, right? yeah. Should, should he probably just go back to Duke? I mean, in your opinion, should he probably just stay and get another year of maturation at at, at school? No, no. I mean, uh, if he if he wants that money, which I can't imagine right. many people saying no to it, uh, he's he's probably going to be a top ten, at least a lottery pick, though. Uh, so, I mean, you know, things could get worse another season at Duke. Uh, this might be the eclipse of his value. I mean, right now, a lot of times, you know, you're drafting on uh, the unknown in some ways of him getting better. Uh, and if you see a year of him potentially not getting better, uh, that might not be a good thing. Um, so I would definitely say um, that I would, I would stay in the draft. I mean, to me, there, there aren't too many people who I could really see going back to college, um, you know, who are – uh, who are you are considered first round picks? I mean, if you're not if you're a first round pick, you're probably saying in this draft the people who I who I imagine are going back to college are Charles Bassey, Devin Dodson, Moses Brown, and Jalen Leck. Uh, they're all players who are you know going to be at the combine in Chicago this week, um, but are probably second round picks, and they probably feel with a year in college or another year in college rather uh, they have a chance of really turning that around. Uh, if you're going to be a lottery pick like Reddish, um, I think you're going to stay in this draft. Um, and then who was the other player you asked about? Rui. Oh, Rui, Rui is interesting, too. He's got a really good NBA body, um, but he is he's somebody who, you know, didn't really have uh, the success on the court that you would have really liked to have seen. I, I like Rui. I'm high on him. Um, but I feel that, you know, there's, there's some potential there if, it, if the game is not translating uh, because, you know, he wasn't as even uh, successful at the college level. Um, I think that he's somebody who, you know, in the right system with the right coaching, maybe a team like the Spurs, uh, you could get like a, a good shooting coach around him and, and really try to, try to you, know, uh, you know, 
taking like silly putty tees. He's got um, so much potential there. Um, but, you know, in the same token, he is already one of the older prospects in this draft. Um, and I think typically, you know, when you do something like that, uh, you typically want to do that with somebody who's a little bit younger uh, than he is. So, uh, again, very interesting prospect. He's somebody who I would uh, I would want on my team, but if, uh, if he fell out of the lottery, I would for sure take him just out for the pure value question. Um, but if he were somebody who, uh, you know, we're looking at with seven or the eight pick, that might be a bit of a reach for me. Dean Davis on the line right now, Brian Kalbrowski. Brian, let me ask you this. Let's get out of the future and talk about the present. How vul- sure. how vulnerable do you have Golden State right now? Do you have them getting past Golden? Um, do you have them getting past Portland if Durant doesn't come back? And also, if Durant doesn't come back uh, full strength for the finals, do you have uh, Golden State taking the finals this season? Uh, yeah, the Golden State is still still my pick uh, to to win the championship. Although I could really see Milwaukee doing it too. Uh, it's going to be uh, a really interesting series with Portland. Um, I'm going to be very curious to see how they contain both Dane and CJ. If both of them are going, it's been, you know, kind of few and far between. We see both of them coming in hot at the same time. Uh, but, but, you know, I think that I could definitely see scenarios, though, where they do look uh, very good at the same time. And, you know, you have Clay on one of them, but Seth doesn't able to contain the other one. Uh, but if Kevin Durant does come back, uh, that's, a, that's a really tough, uh, tough ask for Al Farouk Aminu or whoever it might be in their, in their uh, front court to try to contain KD. I mean, KD is such an amazing player. I mean, I don't need to spend much time talking to you about that. You all know that KD is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea of having, you know, uh, someone to guard him, um, at least in some team's cases, could be easier than other team's cases. And I don't really see uh, anybody on Portland um, having that. And that's probably why, in a lot of ways, um, I, I see that. Uh, being a tough series for Portland, but you know, it's also a, a team that uh, in, in Golden State that has done super well uh, without KD in the past. So, um, and they did win 73 games without them with mostly the same core. Uh, so, I, it'll be it'll be for me, uh, you know, conversation of you know Kevin Durant's health, and even with Kevin Durant's health, uh, I think there's a there's still a really good chance that. Um, Golden State wins it. Uh, I commend Portland for for sticking to their process and you know for keeping their their teams a lot their team alive. You know, there's been a lot of conversations over the years of breaking that backcourt up. That's been something that has been on people's radar since you know I, I uh, since you know for since uh, they've really first you know not done particularly well in the playoffs. But um, I, I see them uh, only continuing to get better, only continuing to to improve next to each other, uh, and I see them. Um, you know, being contenders in the Western Conference for years to come. And I hope that they really get a chance um, to, to show that they can be, uh, you know, contenders for a potential forward down the line. If they could potentially move off maybe a Myers-Leonard contract or an Evan Turner contract, probably in that case Myers-Leonard because Evan Turner has been key in their locker room. Uh, maybe they could bring Cantor back on a discount if he likes it there. Same thing with Rodney Hood. Both have been, um, you know, really, really good players for – uh, for their um, you know respective teams uh, for their team this season, uh, so that's something that I would really like to see uh, in Portland as I'm getting you know keeping this core together. Uh, but you know I think it'll be super interesting from my perspective to see if they can potentially get a wing in some way because that's going to be a huge answer uh, to the question with regards to Kevin Durant in the future. Eastern Conference uh, Finals, Bucks, Raptors, what you got? Um, the Bucks for me, with the way Giannis is playing, 
uh, that, that I don't see anybody being able to stop him. Uh, I like Toronto, and obviously uh, Kevin uh, Kawhi Leonard um, is really the talk of the town right now after his, after his incredible shot, uh, and he should be. Um, but I think that uh, what I'd like to see is, is really uh, just the Steph versus uh, Giannis showdown in the NBA championship. Uh, I think that obviously, you know, there's a, there's a ton of potential there uh, for, for some really big questions to be answered about, you know, what Giannis is in this league, um, you know, how, how deserving he is to take the crown as the best player in this league. Uh, and I think that, you know, I think that he, he will get to that point too uh, if he's not there already. Brian, real quick before we let you go, uh, who's your, where's your draft lottery fall? Even if you're making it up off, off the cuff right now, at least give me one through five. Bulls number one. No. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, both number one just because I'm on the radio in Chicago. Uh, but if it, but if it's not, but if it's not the Bulls, I wouldn't mind it being uh, the Knicks because I live here in New York, and I I would not like I would not mind having uh, you know a couple subway stops away to to actually getting the chance to watch Zion play and watch that materialize. Uh, so that's probably what I would be personally picking. Um, but you know, outside of that, um, I would probably say. Uh, you know, let's see. John Morant, I think, would be really good in the Suns backcourt with Devin Booker. Uh, that would probably be a good number two. Um, probably R.J. Barrett in Cleveland, where he can kind of be the guy over there. Um, that would be an interesting fit. Um, and then I think, you know, getting some talent around Trey Young and Luka Doncic uh, would be probably the next best option for me. Uh, the pick is protected top five, uh, which means, or top four, rather, which means if it's not in the top five, uh, the pick for Dallas conveys to Atlanta, so I would like to see it Dallas somewhere in that top four, and then probably Atlanta somewhere in that top five, just to give them uh, the most uh, the most options around Trey Young, who I really want to see have uh, uh, as good of a team around him as possible, because I could see I could see that being a really uh, interesting uh, team for a long time because of that uh, amazing amazing young player, um, you know. So I'd I'd love that. All right, we shall see. Brian, man, thank you so much for hopping on with us. Love the breakdown and everything, man. Got to get you back on soon. Have a good one. Yes, thank you so much for your time. No doubt. And that was Brian Kalbrowski of Hoops Hype. Breaking it down, man. Very detailed uh, answers to all of our questions right there. All right, next up, we're going up for grabs with one Mr. Ryan Bukovsky, Dean Davis Show. What's up, Chicago? This is Chris Sosa from Red Eye, and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show. Dean Davis Show. Uh, it's time for one of my most favorite moments of the week. It comes to the show, we do this for sure. But it's time for Up for Grabs with one Mr. Ryan Bukovsky. Ryan, what you got for us? Well, thanks so much for that intro, D. I hope that you guys appreciate these questions. Yes, and I yes. hope that uh, I can live up to the hype this week. And let's start off with the NBA playoffs. Jalen, I want you to start this one. Who takes this series? Mm, I'm going oh, Bucks. With home court advantage and Giannis in six. Chauncey. Ooh, this is going to be tough, but I- I'm going to go Bucks in seven. Paul. <laughs> Who wins the series? <laughs> I'm going to go Toronto on this one. Wow. How many? Surprise, surprise. Kawhi wow. Leonard is playing the best basketball. I'm going with Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors. Oh, man. The in entire, six. The entire country just went six. Oh. And we have reached the conference finals, and perhaps injuries will even the series somewhat in the West. But as for the East, the Bucks are the favorites to beat the Raptors and represent the East in the finals. In your opinion, what is the key to winning the series for the Bucks and the Raptors, and who is your winner? Mm. That's a hard one, dude. That is a hard one. I'm going to go 
See, the one thing about the Bucks, you have to bank on their shooting still being there. You have uh, Greek Freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think I got that right. Antetokounmpo. Oh, okay, thank you. Uh, you have you have him, who I think is probably going to be the MVP of the league, who has been playing phenomenal uh, in his playoff run. In his playoff run, but when you have somebody like Kawhi and just like the just the defense and the mugginess of of, of Toronto, you got a shot. I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm going to say Toronto is going to beat the Bucks mm. and go to the NBA final. Uh, it's not that big of a limb if we both on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, my thing is this. Definitely the Bucks are better than the 76ers. No doubt. See, this is the thing about this 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 playoffs. We saw some teams grow up. Like that's one thing you got to like mm-hmm. you you saw Portland grow, you saw Denver, Denver. grow. Mm-hmm. You saw even though it's not going to last Toronto grow because Kawhi's <laughs> leaving, but to see the 76ers still holding up, still holding up uh, hope for the Sixers don't stay. But see, looking at the 76ers and uh, just a lot of players thrown into the mix during the season. And I have fault with Brent Brown, but looking at what they did and how that offense started to click at different times and the amount of, of weapons they sent at you, it, it kind of goes to your point as far as the three-point shooting mm-hmm. stops for the Bucks. Because mm-hmm. one thing we know that won't stop is Kawhi Leonard. Nope. He will not stop. And it's the thing, too. He's a machine. I felt like... I felt like against uh, Toronto versus the Sixers that... Kyle Lowry towards the later end of that series start to be like, hey, I'm Kyle Lowry. I ain't got to worry about nothing out here or whatever like that. And I, I think he'll carry that same energy into this series to where, I mean, he's not that worried about Bledsoe. You know what I'm saying? Like, not right. to the point. Yeah. Right. You know, so he's had a better career than Bledsoe's had so far in, in the NBA. So it's, it's not one of those situations where he's going to be out there getting exploited. So I think there'll be even more help as long as Siakam can stay healthy. You start looking at what's when we talk about all the players around uh, Giannis. But, man, when you start to see lazy, I'm not, I'm not, he's not lazy, but old Serge Ibaka. Kind of clicking and coming on at certain it points. Can slow you down. Even Marcus all. Yeah. So look, I'm I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I gotta go with I gotta go with best player. Right now in the East, the best player is Kawhi Leonard. Like I, I'm going with best player. I'm 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 gonna go with who I think is just gonna be the best team because I think this is definitely a team effort, obviously. Uh, but I just think I like the way Toronto was playing with their great player, no doubt. But shoot can go. It can just it can it can Thanos snap dust away, and you can go through a series. And, it's, and on top of that, you want to have one of the best defensive teams in the playoff seal right now with Toronto, who can throw it all off. Man, listen, they they ain't shooters like Golden State. They're not that kind of shooters. I know you got Giannis, but you you don't have those kind of shooters that can just kind of spark up and just just burn it down real quick. It's not that. I I like how Toronto is playing. I really really do. Boy, going back and forth on this one for myself, I think I want to go Toronto, but I'm going to go with Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. I really like how Toronto's playing. Like you guys are saying, I agree with everything you've said, but I think Milwaukee is a better shooting team and they've got a lot of shooters. And when they get hot, they seem pretty unbeatable in the Eastern Conference. So I think that that's going to be the big key for Milwaukee is can they get those shooters going with Giannis and the 
defense that Toronto's going to give because Giannis is probably going to have his most difficult series in this series, especially yeah. with Kawhi on him. Yeah. I think you're going to get Pascal Siakam on Oh, him yeah. Anymore. Well, yeah. you get Pascal, and, and then yeah. you'll probably get Kawhi in the fourth quarter yeah, or in the crunch time. Them, yeah. Marcus all at times, too, for yeah. sure. Yeah, there and you he's go. a great defender. Yep. With Toronto, I think the key for them is when Kawhi is smart late in games to take over because I don't trust Kyle Lowry to be that number two, to be the difference. And even though Pascal Siakam is more the number two, mm-hmm. a little bit of injury question marks with him. That's mm-hmm. why I'm not sure who that number two is going to be behind Kawhi. Can he do it at the right time in the right moment of the game where he can use his familiarity is experience in playoff games versus Giannis who's still learning on the job there you go can that be the difference so yeah ultimately I think Giannis is going to get it done though okay. and be okay now moving over to the baseball diamond so I snagged Fleming seats to the Marlins Braves game you me beer baseball what more could a guy want and uh, the dwindling of winter sports as we're getting through the NBA plus and we're going to be focusing now on the baseball sports scene so let me ask you guys what has been the most interesting storyline in the 2019 baseball season so far to you oh it's I not mean, just I'm going here it's, I gotta little go. disclaimer this is uh in my feelings up for grabs everything's <laughs> gonna be how you feel what okay. has been the storyline to you I gotta go I gotta go here in Chicago um yeah I I, I would say I want to say initially the Cubs from people were just so much doom and gloom at the beginning of the season to now them having the best record in the National League. Um, and then the fact that, to be honest with you, this before, I mean, you look at the fact that they missed out on Manny Machado and and just the fact that uh, Mankata didn't look good last season. And even though Tim Anderson took a step, I didn't think, I don't think we thought he was going to take a, not to say he'll win it, but an MVP type step. So when you start to see, and especially when we were talking to Sean, about the fact that the Sox have always had problems with, with, with bringing up their own everyday players. When you're starting to see cornerstones for the future starting to show you signs of what you thought they were supposed to do, it's like, okay, hold on. So for, for me, for, for, for baseball, it, it will definitely be a, um, a, a narrow view, a local view. It's de- the Cubs showing how, how great of a team they are and the White Sox showing that perhaps they didn't make some bad decisions in some of the trades that they made in this rebuild. I'm going to keep it local, and honestly, I got to... I got to talk about both teams. The fact that the White Sox are playing as well as they're playing and the pitching is terrible. I have a good feeling because I think I'm going to have a fun summer. The Ooh. first time in a, in a while for my baseball team, I'm going to possibly have a fun summer. Selfishly, I don't think they're going to win anything, obviously. But selfishly, I'm looking forward to that. But just on the field... Numbers, everything, man, listen. The Cubs remind me of the team that won it all. And the way they are playing and the fact that how deep they are going, how deep they are, and all of the guys that Sean just said haven't even started clicking yet. Yeah. The division is tight, and I'm not going to say they're going to win a division just yet. I'm not going to say that because I think as we, talked, as we spoke about it before, Cincinnati is always going to be a little pest, but they're better. St. Louis is better. And you have, um, well, I'm blanking right now, um, uh, Milwaukee. 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 Milwaukee is, they just won a division last year. So the competition and seeing what they're going to be able to do 
has my juices flowing and just being a sports fan. So I'm gonna keep it local, but I gotta t- I gotta touch on both sides of town. The storyline for the baseball season so far, I'm gonna stick local as well. And not that I haven't been watching the entire uh, grand scheme mm-hmm. of baseball, but mm-hmm. I think that that is truly where the hottest stories are right now because you got the Cubs as really this team that's looking like 2016 again ton of great storylines we can go through the individuals all that stuff but right now it looks like their weakness is still the same thing bullpen but that has really settled down and if they get another arm or two which they're gonna add an arm theo's gonna add an arm whether it's a big name or some kind of name but it's gonna be added we'll see if that makes a big impact later on in the season but overall they're rolling i look at the white Sox. i want them to get another starting pitcher somehow i want them to compete because my storyline is we might have two teams really competing for stuff late in the season. Mm-hmm. The White Sox, maybe not so much because of their rebuild, but they're going to have a ton of talent coming up with these kids. And that could be a ton of boost or that energy that you get sometimes with prospects. We saw that with the Cubs in 2015. These young kids just kept coming up and they would go on this hot streak and the team would just go. Yep. Maybe the White Sox can get that. If they can just get another starter that can really just give them a quality start day in and day out. Hopefully you keep Lucas going. Hope you keep uh, Lopez right. going. They got to keep going as well. But if you got They're another about to get guy. shelled next week. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you say that. Lopez but so far, Giolito has continued to look fine. Don't yes. trust the matinee looks. Yeah, but you got to give at least a little nugget of he's on my radar for right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Last question for y'all. Let's move over to a passion of ours. Unfortunately, maybe Game of Thrones. If anybody hasn't heard of it, stick to the Thrones podcast, because I listened to it this morning, Ken, so I had to have some reaction on it. Ken was on it. Okay. um, Okay. First of all, I don't... What happened? I mean, I don't... They... Oh, I haven't watched yet, so don't spoil it for me. Let me... I guess I gotta do the preliminaries first. All right. This is Stick to Thrones, uh, and uh, along with me is Danny Parkins, uh, host of the Medellin Parkins Show, uh, Chris Tannehill. King of the board and sound of uh, the Medellin Parking Show. And uh, new guest on the show, Ken Davis of the Dean Davis Show. And I wanted to get some of your thoughts, and especially wanted to know from you two with young yeah. Tony Gill, because how he was sounding on there. I told you, man, when, <laughs> when something go, doesn't go right according to how Tony thought or think it should go, he like he, he, he exits stage left. He's done. He's gonna he's gonna watch the last episode. We have a text line going, obviously. And uh, after it, <laughs> Tony was like, "I'm not even gonna watch the next episode." I'm like this is the last one. You might as well. What, you 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 waste you done spent all this time downloading watching these shows. Actually went past us one time on an episode. He went into the future, and now you're gonna say you're not gonna watch the final episode because it because it didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen. Come on now, man. You finish finish the episode. Finish. I mean, finish the season. The yeah, series. he sounded like how I did last year with the show, like realizing it's not what it is anymore. But mm-hmm. many Harker fans are upset with the way the characters and the plot points have developed. Mm-hmm. But based on how everything has developed to this point, you can't alter things. What is your ideal ending, in your opinion, to the way Game of Thrones can end based on the way things have set up to this point? I'll go. Go, go, Please go ahead. Uh, Cersei and John crying. Not Cersei. uh, Danny, Daenerys, and John crying as they both die from uh, somehow wounds inflicted on one another. Um, Who are they fighting? Each other. other. It's a civil war now. So um, that's I think that'll probably be because I mean if you really like the, the thing with Jamie was stupid him and Cersei 
And I think it'd be something here for, or even even if 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 it's that she's dying and she acquiesces her right to the throne to him, but th- them dying but with hurting one another, I think is the, the that's all that can be left. And again, if you heard on the podcast, for anybody to go out there, make sure you download and follow uh, Stick to the Thrones. Tony does a great job there. Um, I think Sansa is going to be. We've all said this. She's going to be the queen of the hand. Yeah, that's that's my that's my prediction. It sounds to be. But is that your ideal? Is that what you want? Yeah, to happen? I mean, I don't. This is the thing. I don't think John should live because he died already. To me, that's that's too. You, you're giving the fans a lot of what they want. Like, and they always hinted. Like I said on the show yesterday, when he used to tell Melisandre, "If I die again, do not bring me back." Um, and just his reluctance. Well, she gone, so he can't do it. Yeah, his reluctance to. But I'm just saying, that period. He doesn't want to be here. His reluctance to lead. I think it. He needs Let to me die. Go. Let needs, me go. Let me go. The story should end with him dying. It shouldn't end with him. It'd be too cheesy if he's the, the, the on the Iron Throne moving forward, or he's the King of the Kingdom. It would be. It's like really, we we did all this for the the likeliest of outcomes. Like no. Like look. To be honest with you, I would prefer now. If Danny sits there and just keeps burning everybody in their mama, because at least it'd be like, well, gay. As uh, as uh, Bolton uh, said, you, you look at the story, you thought it was going to end happy. You know, like, I'd be happy that way. Something different, because they've been giving us too much simplicity. The fact that you sat there and Tyrion had the nerve, I didn't curse, had the nerve <laughs> to mention again Cersei loving her kids. And it's like, dude, how many times? Like, I'll do it real quick. I, I want to use this analogy last night. Have you all been in a situation where maybe at school, maybe a job, someplace you weren't pre- uh, performing at your optimum, and maybe they mentioned your boss or someone had critiqued twice and kind of be like, hey, you, you know, you kind of not on your game. And, you're, you know, you're thinking maybe it's one of the time where uh, it's during a recession and stuff where people are getting cut, and you're like, man, I need to do something because, man, they I've got, been there before. They're cutting heads out here, right? Oh, yeah. And you know, what was your reaction when that happened? I went harder. Okay. So Tyrion, after bumbling for uh, the last year and a half, is still talking about Cersei ain't like this, man. If you don't shut your up right now, I think. But I think she. I think he's definitely looking at his if like you know what? Who's the dude that got uh, lit on fire in uh, Varys? I think he finally sees like, damn, he was right. You know what? Let me go get my brother. We getting up out of here. Go get our sister, so she can have a kid. We bouncing. I think that's what he was thinking. I don't even think so he, he was thought it was time to commit treason, treason, treason. Oh yeah. No, no doubt, no doubt. So I, th- I think, I think he that, finally saw the right on the wall. For that, yeah. For um, but I mean, he he knew what was gonna happen to Verse. He called, he snitched on him. He was gonna burn. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So I, it wasn't I, a shocking. That, no, no, no. I, I'm not saying that it yeah. was shocking anything on that measure. I just think that I don't think he was saying we all gonna hook like me, you and Cersei about to go get an island somewhere and we gonna relax. I mean, I think he he, he said told then, her to get no, meet me at the boat. Remember what? No, he said. Remember what he said to uh, uh, uh to Jamie. If we can convince Cersei to give up, then mm-hmm. she probably won't kill me. Yeah, is what. So that wasn't he wasn't saying let's necessarily us three get out of here and flee. He was saying if you got that voodoo that you do so well with sis, go talk to her. If she's gonna lose, mm-hmm. no one has to die, and then maybe Daenerys won't kill me then because right, I right, get, I right, serve this. Right, right. But then also Daenerys two dimensionalness. It's like what? Like why was I here? Like you've done this, this characters like it doesn't take a lot for y'all to kind of mimic what George R. R. Martin was doing, right? No, I think it does. 
It, not for me. Because I could I could have done it. And then look, it may not have said it would have been as good. This is showing you. I, I I talked to a guy, I mean to cut you off. I talked to a guy who I work with. He's read all the books. And I didn't know this. I'm I'm a fan, but I'm like a hard, hard, hardcore fan, right? And he said, listen, the way uh Martin writes, he has his plot points, but then he just kind of, in a sense, freestyles his way to those plot points. He told the writers, hey, these are the plot points. You go. And they, I guess he wanted him, he wanted them to do what he does. Obviously, this shows you this dude is a mastermind when it comes to the pen and making these stories. These two cats that wrote this could not do what he do. He basically said, you do what I do. Now go out there and do it. And they obviously, and to, to hardcore fans, feelings, they failed. But I don't think I think it this ain't is that more, easy. I, I'm not saying it's that easy. But I think a lot of people could have done better jobs than this. Well, I'm not, I mean, a lot of people freestyle the way that you're saying, too. Like, you usually set up, like, anytime you're writing a story, you kind of know the, the parameters of the story anyway. You kind of know how you want it to end, what's the biggest parts of the story. So, again, I'm not saying that anyone can write his, his, his characters as well as he, mm-hmm. but I think just more, just thinking deeper. Like, well, this is just to it's what so, you're saying, Ken. Yeah. These. It's like they're doing the opposite of what, of he what did. they did earlier, and George did. Yeah, it's that's mimic. the problem. All he, you have to do is look. But, oh, why are you going the look, opposite? He put they, he put they put they spin on the story. It's not his story. I don't even think they putting a spin. I just think they're getting the hell out of dodge with some fat yeah. checks. Oh, that, that can be part I, of it too. This they're they're going done. to what you're just saying. It does not take a lot to keep a, a character. Uh, uh, close to their the, the original narrative of that character. It does not take a lot. You know, okay, wait, we're doing this. But, but wait, no, nah, she... she doesn't do it like that. She thinks like this. You're right. So we got to write it. Like, and they were just like, we got to get out of here. Star Wars, we got to start working on that Star Wars. Like, what right. the hell is going on? Like, Tyrion is supposed to be the smart one, right? Mm-hmm. Why is he doing stupid thing after stupid thing after stupid thing? She's, and not learning? So it, his job was on the line, right? Mm-hmm. To get into my, this is my initial point. Yeah, go ahead, go his job it. was on the line, and he said, I'm tripling down on <laughs> up. Sorry. <laughs> I had, like, that's what he basically said. Like, And it's like, wait, hold. But, like, that's what? What, but that was my thing. It seems as if he, I, I, I could be completely wrong. And this is George R. R. Martin's favorite character to write for. But it seems as if, just looking at the story, how they made the arc for that character. He finally saw what was happening, and he was saying, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge. And I'm going to free my brother. But he didn't. That's not what his plan he, was. He, he freed we just his went brother. over what his plan was. That's not, he that freed his brother. But that wasn't his plan, D. You keep, you just admitted it wasn't his plan. Then you went back to saying. I think I think it's his plan. No, D, how is that his plan? I'm going to go back to it. When he just said, I'm going to die here. Probably because I committed treason, but get our sister to quit so all these people doesn't. That was his plan. Mm-hmm. It wasn't this. We're fleeing together. What, yeah, he wasn't what leaving show with are you watching? What is going on in his head half the time? <laughs> he has his own stories up there, and it's like, oh, I guess yeah, so. Yeah, Tyrion was letting him. He he was not going to ne- go with. But them. he never went. He never went into the city. So obviously, he's going to be in the next episode. Who he didn't go into the city? Out. Well, eventually, he didn't. Go, he didn't go in there with was with was going. I'm sorry. When things were going down. <laughs> When things were going down, he didn't go in there, and he kind of appeared at the end of it, kind of walking around like, "Oh my God, what did she just do?" Ah, oh, what, this is, what is your ideal? My end? ideal, my ideal ending is, I, I, honestly, the way it's going, I think John is going to live. I think he's going to kill Danny because Arya is going to come for her, and then it's going to be one of those things like a big bad villain ending. 
he has to save his sister from the big bad villain and he's going to take out Danny. But I think he's going to be like, listen, I told you, I don't want I don't want the throne. So he's going to ride onto the sunset. Is this this is your ideal ending? This is what you want to happen? Yeah, why not? I don't care. I'm not. I'm, I, listen, I'm, I'm here for the ride. I really don't care. I think he's going to ride onto the sunset and I think his sisters, maybe Arya will be the hand and Sansa will be on the throne. That's what I think is going to happen. Ideally, they should have all died a long time ago. They should have all died a long time ago, and they could have, could have kind of like you put these characters in these crazy positions to die, and miraculously, I don't think I think I said that word right, but some way somehow they kind of found their way out of it, which I've been saying for a while. This is so Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's not Martin right. It's not Martin style. It's not the show. It's not the show. But they've been able to pull this off. So you know what? Bump it. Yeah, looking at, like, again, what they've set up, because I would have redone season seven and eight. I wouldn't have had them do it the way that they did it. I would have kept that same formula they did one through six. But based on what has happened, what I want to happen. Yeah, what do you want to happen? I can't lose more than one Stark. I want three Starks to live at the end. So all three, that's what I said. All three. Out of the four. Brand. Oh, Brand. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Brand. Yeah, maybe Brand is even gone. Maybe he's done. Well, part of me just wants the Starks because I fell in love with those characters as it went, and now they're just a bunch of mess on the TV screen, so I want to pluck out the good stuff that I like, and I've always liked all four of those characters. So you want three out of the four to survive? Because I think one of them has to go, but who knows? Maybe all four will live. Maybe everybody will live. Have a I, chorus line at the I'm end. I'm telling you, man. It's you Hollywood. You kill all of them for all I care. You yeah. were, I, I can see all. I can see all of them. You think the is gonna get any re- revenge on any Stark? I think Consanza, one of them has to go. Can the mini face guy protect you from dragon fire? Would <laughs> 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 you burn that one? You burn that one? You like? But you can't see all of them staying alive. I don't care. You want to finish the segment? See? Wow. <laughs> I, know, I'm Boy, like I hope the Bulls get a top pick. Otherwise, you're gonna be really upset. Right? <laughs> Hey, man, I'm just alone for the ride. That was an interesting show. All right. <laughs> Coming back on the other side of this break, Sean Sierra from Sean and Maya in the morning is going to join us. We're going to talk Bears and also baseball, both teams in the city. Dean Davis Show. Hey, this is Rich Campbell from the Chicago Tribune, and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show. D and Davis, and lucky enough, in studio, we have the co-host of Sean and Maya in the morning, the one and the only Superback, Sean Sierra. Hi, Sean, how you doing? <laughs> What's going on, man? How you so doing, Sean? So anybody, make sure you check out their show Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. on uh, Logic, Live on Logic Radio. Also, you can get it on the Sean and Maya app. You can also go to Facebook slash the Sports Chica slash post to watch them live. So make there sure you when go. you get up in the morning, you click that on, you enjoy it, you take that sports knowledge in, and then you go on about your day. But how you doing? We appreciate it, man. I'm good, man. I'm real good. Thank again. Thanks for having me in. No oh, problem. We always appreciate it. Um, all of us. Uh, you went to IMS, didn't you? Or probably I ICB did. back then. I, I remember seeing you around. You have to come after us because I think I remember seeing you in the lobby. Fifteens when I graduated. Okay. Yeah, we were twelve. Yeah, we were 12. April nights. Yeah. April nights. We started See, at fourteen yeah, and yeah, finished man, at fifteen. Man, do it at nighttime. <laughs> 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 I gotta do this. And I gotta man. go do this. Yeah, real. <laughs> How do big it. was your class? Uh, I want to say it, it dwindled. Uh, I think we finished with eight, eight people final. They graduated. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah, we had how many? In we that? had maybe a, a close to thirty to start off. Yeah, and then it got down to maybe twenty-one. Twenty. 20. Yeah, I think at least twenty of us graduated. Yeah, yeah, we had two teachers. But anyway, yeah. 
I got to get into We got the super back in here. So I'm sorry, Sean. I know you can talk all sports. But since you are a football man, we got to do football first. Let's go. Oh, darn. I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, you again, you're the super back. All right. You played the Holy Cross. You played in Italy. Run for when you played in Italy, was that the NFL? Uh, no, it wasn't. There's just an actual league, believe it or not, of American football in Italy. I've, I've seen sexy, brother. Really? Did yeah. you get? Cur- was it? You enjoyed yourself a little over there? Let's just say the. Uh, I had. A, I didn't think anything could get better than college, and I was wrong. I bet. I was I've wrong. Heard, I've heard Italy is a uh, kind of kind of place. Matter of fact, I go bowl, we go bowling in, in the morning on Sunday mornings with my uh, my my father in law and his buddies. And one of the guys was in the service. He's like, "Yeah, man, you know I was stationed over in Italy, had a great time. Yeah, man, I got two twins over there." I was like, "Damn, I guess you, <laughs> I guess you did." That. Sean, you got any twins? You got any twins? Super, uh, little superbacks. You know what? <laughs> I don't have any kids that I know of. Okay. <laughs> I figured they would have found me with the internet by now, but who knows? Pushing Maserati. Poppy. But listen, so let's start off with a position that was key. Um, I, D was a Jordan Howard guy. You were mm-hmm. a guy that was with Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard's gone. It seems like the replacement is David Montgomery. What were your thoughts on the selection of David Montgomery? Uh, perfect fit. Again, uh, like we talked about before, square peg for a square hole. I think it's a perfect fit for him. The only issue that I have, um, not issue, but the only thing I need to see is his pass pro. It's a whole different thing in college as opposed to the uh, the NFL. So um, he can run the ball, obviously. Uh, he can catch the ball, even though he had limited uh, uh, attempts. But he he can do it. He, can, he's, he has good hands. He catches real easy. Um, so when I, I noticed that about him on film, I liked the way I liked his hands, nice and soft, very easy. Uh, the one thing that I do love about him is his cutback ability. He, uh, you know, he did lead the uh, NCAA Division One in making people miss. I think it was a ninety-nine missed tackles he caused. So this guy is—that's the kind of guy you want. That's the kind of guy Matt Nagy is drooling over right about now. Being a former running back, what are some of the first things you start watching when you start breaking down running backs? I uh, see. They, watch their their eyes first. Their eyes. Do they do they tip it tip off where they're going? Uh, and then I watch their feet. Their patience. I want. Are they patient? Do they hit the hole and, and just try and smack it up in there? I mean, of course you need it on third and one. But if you're patient, if you want, if you let your blocks develop, and then you make your move, I look for that. I make sure there's patience. Uh, and then when it's time to hit the hole, you hit that hole. Were there any other running backs? You had Henderson that went before. Uh, you had Staley that went after. Uh, would you have chosen them, or was David Montgomery the perfect, as you just said, square peg for the square uh, hole? Oh, uh, there were a couple. There were a lot of good backs that would fit this system. I mean, yeah, the uh, the kid out of Penn State, Miles Sanders, would have been nice. Um, uh, was it Darrell Thompson out of Memphis? Would have been. Uh, he would have been nice as well. Although I didn't, I didn't want running backs. I didn't want a running back five nine or shorter. Okay, so give me five ten and taller. I don't know why. I just I just don't I don't like short running backs. Okay, and uh, he was he was uh, Montgomery was five ten and change five eleven somewhere in there. So that worked. That worked. Some of the other guys were good. Devin Singletary was a little short, um, but the one thing I did like about Devin Singletary, he scored mm. sixty six touchdowns in his career there. Um, he had thirty two and what two seasons no two seasons ago, um, third I believe in in college behind Barry Sanders and I can't remember who was second. But that dude scores, and that's something you can't teach. When you got a, when you have a nose for the end zone, that's something that you have to uh, you have to uh, uh, look at really, really long and hard. So you say you know like running backs under five nine. What's up with Cohen then? Is he just that special? No, no, no. Let me take that back. Let me add. I don't like running backs under five nine. Five nine to be your everyday every down back. Mm-hmm. 
All right, but but Tariq Cohen, oh, I love what he does because he's he's a, he's a joker, he's a wild card, whatever you know they they call him in that in that position. Mm-hmm. He does a whole bunch of different things. But if you're you're a guy who's going to carry the rock, you know, ten to twenty to, or twenty to twenty five times a game, if they do so, or the the main ball carrier, so to speak, make him a little bigger, a little a little stronger, a little heavier. Dean Davis, right now in studio, we have Sean Sierra, co-host of Sean and Maya in the morning. Follow him at Sean Sierra. Sean, real quick before we get back to the Bears, you mentioned something. I have a I have high issues with people too. I don't like diminutive basketball players or quarterbacks. Always got something to get short, guys. What were your thoughts on Kyler Murray going number one? <laughs> and if you were in that position, would you have drafted him number one? With the with the head coach they got, yes, probably, mm-hmm. um, because it's it's more, the offenses in the NFL are moving a lot, to, moving toward uh, college, college offenses. Mm-hmm. So you know you got a guy who excelled in a college offense, you got a guy who coached in college. It's kind of a perfect fit. So I think it's going to be it'll be okay for a while. Um, I ain't mad at him. You know I'm happy for him. I'm glad he took the took the money and ran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know people talked about baseball long career. I'm like, but you know by the time you get to that big money. You're 27, 28, mm-hmm. and he got his he got his money today. <laughs> got it, got it out. Today, he got, got, guy, he's got like 30? 34 mil, yeah, yeah. Oh, something yeah. guaranteed. Woo. Yeah, so this exposure was, with NFL too is just mm-hmm. it's just there for him. Yeah, it's you know what he was uh, he, he is a little short, but I mean people who have a problem with short quarterbacks must not like Drew Brees because Drew Brees is no taller than me. And I'm funny story, I'm five ten and seven eighths. <laughs> every time, every time when I was at school, they, the uh, the scouts would come out and they'd measure us. We run you know a little pro day at our, our at Holy Cross, and my freshman year, um, I had a little I had a little more hair than I do now, and so they come in and they measure me like uh, five ten seven eighths. I was like, damn. All right, so sophomore year, I come through. All right, I'm gonna stand a little taller, maybe stretch my neck a little bit. They, you know, try to push my hair down. Five, ten, seven, eight. God bless it. <laughs> oh my God, all right. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna kind of just get, maybe get up on my toes just a tad, yeah, just to yeah, get. Yeah. So sure enough, my junior year, I get up there, and the guy's about he's measuring me, and he's just about to measure me. I just go up just a tad, and he passed me in the head. I'm like oh, oh. five, ten, five, ten, seven, eight. Like son of a bitch. <laughs> and then the last year, I was just like five, ten, and seven, eight, and they measured me like five, ten, and seven, eight. I'm like I know, I know. So I could never get to five eleven. Uh. So, but uh, but Drew Brees is no no bigger than me. I've uh, I've met him mm-hmm. a couple times. He's right about my height. So, uh, if you have an issue with sort of quarterbacks and you don't think they can they can play in the NFL, I beg to differ. I mean, you you brought up the simple fact of how the college game is kind of going to the pros. Uh, being a guy who played uh, college and pro, what do you think? How do you feel about that? Hmm. Um, I like it. I like it. It gives more people. It gives put it this way. It gives more uh, specialists. A, a chance. So you get the Devin Singletary's, you get the Tariq Cohen's, because if, if it wasn't like that, you have a lot more jet sweeps, a lot more, not necessarily trick plays, but a lot more plays out in the open where you get guys in, in, in space and allow them to make a play. And, you know, you don't have to be 220 pounds. You, you actually want to be 160, 180. And, uh, you know, with some uh, jukeability, that's an old word I just made up. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you want that in the open field and, you know, the lighter guys are usually the ones who can do it. Look, speaking of jet sweeps, the Bears went back into the draft, and I want to get into some of the other picks, but they drafted Kareth White. What were your thoughts on them picking up Kareth White? You already have uh, Tariq Cohen, but looking at this kid who is a speed demon and what he can do, what do you expect? Also, he can play special teams also in the return, yeah, yeah. but also that he's going to be a tackling cat out there also. But what were your thoughts in bringing in uh, Kareth White, and did you see anything on tape that you liked or disliked? Oh, heck yeah, man. Speed, 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 speed. There's no there's no substitute for speed. They're going to use him on, on kick returns. Um, they have the punt returner and Tariq Cohen. 
Um, they got him. They have Cordell Patterson that they signed as well. He's going to be used for kick returns too, but this guy's much cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in a four-year deal that he just signed. Um, so he's, he's speed, 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 speed. And you know what, with, with Matt Nagy, I love what he's done as far as uh, – uh, uh, creating plays and, and and scheming people open. And you know what? You have um, Taylor Gabriel, who didn't live up to expectations last year. Some of it was injury. Some of it was maybe just not having everybody on the same page because of the first year of the offense. Well, you know, now you have him. Now you have uh, Emmanuel Hill. Now you have Kareth White. Mm-hmm. You got speed. Speed, speed, speed. Speed kills. There's, there's no mm-hmm. substitute for it. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where they put them. You speed, you have to. Now the thing is you can't. You can't double team somebody because you have too much speed on that field because if you double team somebody and someone makes a, you know, or you, you lean towards someone or Mitch sees you leaning towards something, he's, he might change or might change one specific route mm-hmm. uh, uh, in, in the, uh, in the, on the play and have you go like a corner route. If, that safety, if a single high safety and he's, he's cheating to his right, he might have a, a, a corner route or a post corner to the opposite side. So it's speed. You got It keeps everybody um, – keeps him playing, keeps him honest. Sean Sierra right here at Dean Davis Show, co-host of the Sean Amaya Show. Uh, you're talking about speed. You're talking about all these guys. And now on the offensive side of the ball, you have Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, your thoughts on his maturation, what you expect to see him uh, upcoming season. He doesn't have any excuses now. He got a lot of toys to play with. I, I, he had no excuses last year. You know, last year – well, last year was the first year of uh, that offense – so it was very difficult. You got you got to remember. Not only does he have to learn a new offense, but the offensive line has to learn a new offense. The running backs have to learn a new blocking scheme. The wide receivers have to new have to learn new passing routes, new passing trees. They have to new option routes. So they and then you have to get on the same page for option routes. Mitch Trubisky doesn't doesn't know how fast Taylor Gabriel is. Doesn't know Allen Robinson's tendencies. It's all a learning process. So from week one to week eighteen, which is that wild card week, that's a complete one. It's a huge step. For, for Mitch Trubisky, and, and the coming of age moment for him, in my eyes, was uh, Bears are down. He drives him down, hits that touchdown pass to Allen Robinson. That's a big boy moment. Yep. That's a big boy moment for him. Bears go up, but then they go down again. He drives him down the field again for the uh, game-winning field goal, and then double doink happens. That's not on him, right. but the fact of the matter is he didn't do it once. He did it twice in the same game, in a playoff game. That's that's big time, and that's that's where you can see. I'll tell you what, a good buddy of mine uh, works for the Bears. He's uh, he's in that he's in that room, so he's uh, he's the director of college scouting. And when uh, when they drafted Trubisky, I called him like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like Sean Watson, Deshaun Kaiser, Patrick yeah, Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you got this guy out of North Carolina. He said uh, Ryan went around. Well, he knows Ryan Pace, but he was a scout in it, uh, with the Saints. Okay. That's how he met him years ago, and then he became a scout for the Bears. And then Pace came over, and he said, Ryan went around the room. He asked a few people. And someone wrote uh, uh, an, an article about it. And But I said it on my show like a long time before this. And he said, Ryan asked everybody, like the five people that he trusts, he said, who would you take? Of all the QBs, every single one said Mitch. Ooh. I was like, really? I said, okay. I said, that's your, that's your living. This is what you guys do for a living. I said, okay, no problem. And now I see why they took him. He's, he's very malleable because of the fact that he didn't have so many starts he doesn't have he doesn't have a lot of bad habits. He's very easily uh, moldable and coachable. He's a yes mm. sir no sir kind of kid, mm. and Matt Nagy loves it. Matt Nagy loves that guy. So I love what he did from in, in week one to week eighteen. And I'll tell you what, I'm excited to see what this kid can do now because now uh, Mitch is gonna be calling some offensive plays, some series. Uh, Matt Nagy said 
So it's going to be interesting to see. And you're right. He got no, there's going to be no excuses. He's going to have, it's going to be like Kentucky. Remember Kentucky's five in, five out? Mm-hmm. You're going to have four in, four out wide receivers <laughs> with, with the amount of of of, uh, mm-hmm. of weapons that they got. And you talk about DBs getting, you know, getting tired or D linemen getting tired, how they rotate. Mm-hmm. Their DBs are going to have to start rotating because you're going to have people going running crossing routes and, and overs and unders and post corners and a whole bunch of different things. And you got to stop all that stuff on a regular basis. And you come, maybe first, second quarter, you're okay. Third quarter, maybe. And the third quarter, Fourth quarter, these jokers are fresh, and and you're the same. You're the DB, and you've been recovering two different speedsters. Right, right. it's gonna be a, uh, it's gonna be fun to watch. I want to get to the receivers, but first, you mentioned that you have a pal that's that's in the, the brain trust, and with college, uh, with with college players, has he talked about any difference from when he first got there to now with the philosophy as far as how they're looking at the players and going after the players in college? No, but you know what? That's a good thing. I'll, that's a good question. I'll ask him the next time I talk with him. And 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 see what he's looking for. You know what they look for now. The game is changing. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I would I would imagine just from my own perspective, uh, everything's a little more streamlined. The thinner guys, speed. Um, I mean, even your pass rushers like now they're like 270, 280. Mm-hmm. Before you want a big three hundred pound guy. Mm-hmm. Knows you know even though Eddie Goldman's up there, Eddie Goldman's one of those freak athletes, which is why they signed him early. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? They saw what he was going to do, and they're like, no, no, let's get you locked up under uh, under contract for a minute. So. Um, it's a lot more streamlined. It's a lot more speed, and um, I think that's the way it's going, especially on uh, the offensive and defensive lines. Speaking of speed, and you mentioned Taylor Gabriel, you look at the fact that they they brought in Riley uh, Riley Ridley, and also I forgot the the uh, the receiver they brought in the undrafted one. How do you think the Emmanuel rece- Hill? Thank you. Yeah. How do you think the receiving core is going to shake out? Because I mean, five I told you that Kentucky five in, five, five in, four, out. four out. So do you think they're keeping? They're going to keep all these kids? I think they are going to keep a lot of them. I think they're I think they're going to keep Emmanuel Hill. Emmanuel Hill was supposed to be like a third or fourth round pick, mm-hmm. and I don't know what the heck happened to him and why he fell. So um, he's going to be he, speed, 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 speed. You know, Riley Ridley is uh, to me. Riley really looks like a a younger version of Allen Robinson. Ooh, he's just he he's not he doesn't have that home run speed, but his his routes are unbelievable. Watching going down, you talk about if it's a five and out, it's five and out. He doesn't drift, he doesn't cut it short, he doesn't go. He like I say, he doesn't drift, doesn't cut it short. It's five and out. Those those cuts are sharp, um, and that's that's where he creates a separation because he doesn't have that that blazing speed. Mm-hmm. He creates the separation on his cuts, and and Mitch is gonna love that coming out of breaks. And uh, once he gets used, they get used to each other, and he's going to be. I'm telling you, he might not break a, a long one, but I'll tell you what, key third downs, and those are key to have. You got two guys. You say you have three guys running deep. You got one corner, another corner, and a post, and then you have a, a guy like him running a deep, a deep in or a dig route. There you go. So it's it's going to be it's going to be uh, fun to watch. But nothing to the tight end position to me. I wish they would have did more. Um, I, I guess they're still holding out for Shaheen. So uh, someone he's got to remember who the hell he is, and that's the problem. Like he he's a little nervous. He doesn't have that confidence yet, and it's understandable. You get confidence with success, and the fact is he hasn't had a lot of success. He's been injured, injured a lot, yeah. and that's part of the issue why he hasn't had success. Um, you know, you go back to his tape, and granted, he's playing against Division what, seven guys. You know, or online school people. <laughs> but the, the fact of the matter is, he's the University of Phoenix cornerback ain't got nothing no him. You know, he's a, he's a UPS worker by day, football player by, on weekends. You know. But the fact of the matter is, like, it's an attitude. And, you know, you, he's got to start stiff-arming people. He's got to start dropping his head and running over people. That gets him confidence. And right now, he's got first of all, he's got to stay healthy. And if he can stay healthy, then he's got to start doing that. Because you know what? He's 6'7", uh, like 270, 280, who can run. 
come on, man. You should be looking for, you know, someone trying to stand, you know, uh, stop you. It's like, all right, if you're, if you're, if you're going to bring me down, you're going to feel it. Yep. You know, and toward the end of the game, when you don't want to, when you're going to take a, ch- a quick dive in my leg, I'm going to step over you, and that, that's when the big play comes. Have you ever had a teammate like that on one of your teams? And if so, what, what do you say to him to kind of get him to the point of like, man, you got to know who you are? Yes, I've had teammates, I've had players, because I've coached, coached for 15 years. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I try and bring them, and i gotta be, I got to be Phil Jackson of the, <laughs> of the team, of, of, the, of the coaching staff. But, yeah, you talk to them and you say, hey, listen, you know, because I knew about most of my kids or most of the teammates as we went along where they played. I'm like, hey, you, you, you got to go back to, give me, uh, put in your head where you were, you know, what was your best game in, you know, grammar school or if you're in high school or if you're playing with one of my guys in college. You know, what was your best game? What did you do? You know, so put yourself in that. And then I was a big um, proponent of visualization. You know, so, I mean, you knew who the guys who you needed to kind of hype up because mm-hmm. they their confidence was wavering. And, uh, you know, you'd say, hey, listen, I need you tonight to go to bed. I need you to, uh, you know, visualize that dig route. I need you to visualize a jump ball in the end zone. I need you to visualize stiff arming a, a linebacker or a DB. I need you to visualize running. I said, I need you to visualize 10, 15, 20 different plays as many times as you can tonight. I said, I want you to dream about, about running over somebody or running away from somebody or jumping up. I said, I dream about it. Why? Because when it happens, now it's not foreign to you. Now you've done it a million times in your head, and it's a lot easier for you to do that. So that's how I would do that with, with some of my players on the team or some of my, uh, my players that I coached. Still, come down to, still comes down to the mental. Did you use that for yourself? Um. No, no, I was, I was, tell you what, I was very fortunate to have really good coaches from grammar school to high school to college and in the pro when I, when I played professionally. So, um, I played angry. So it wasn't like, Mm. you know, I would, I could see myself doing, but I wouldn't sit there at night go, man, I can't wait. I can't wait. I would visualize it once or twice. And then, you know, because I had done it so long, I played, I've been playing, I started playing football when I was 10. Mm. And I stopped when I was 40. And so 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And yeah, it was crazy. You put in the work. Yeah. 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 You put in the work. Look, yeah. I, I want to go switch over to defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at the fact that they brought in Ha Ha, uh, Clinton Ha Ha Nicks, or Clinton Nicks, whatever. I'm messing his name up. Clinton Ha Ha Nicks. Thank you, guys. Um, <laughs> you, you, you look at the fact that they bring him in, and we already have. A, a terrific safety in Eddie Jackson, and they're they're similar. They're both kind of free safeties. Is there any fear that the running game they may get taken advantage advantage of, or is it a situation that if your safety is doing a lot of tackling anyway, you probably have a porous defense? Um, I, well, first of all, it's a one year rental. Ha mm-hmm. ha is. Um, I'm not too worried about that particular thing. I think that front seven is, uh, excuse me, is is awesome. That front seven is that's no joke. And I think they're going to get to a lot of the running backs um, coming out of the backfield or receivers and jet sweeps and stuff like that. Uh, I don't think the running game is going to be that bad. But Clinton Dix is, I mean, he can tackle. It's not his forte. It's not, he doesn't want to, but he will. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, his, his biggest asset to us, I believe, is going to be when he, covering tight ends, covering um, slots, you know, or bigger slot receivers. Um, he, can, he can run with people. And, and truth be told, I'm, I said it on the show the day they, uh, before they even drafted him. I said, if they draft this kid, watch out. Steven Denmark, mm. um, the kid out of Valdosta State. Yeah, the, the, the cornerback receiver. Yeah. One-year cornerback. 6'3", 220, runs a 4'4", um, 
43-inch vertical. You were in on him early. I was in on him early, dude. How and why? I was talking to some some scouts, and one of the guys said, some the guys who called the show, and he's like, why? He goes, look up this guy, Steven Denmark. I'm like, where? He said, Valdosta State. I'm in Georgia? He's like, yeah. He said, all right. So I, I Googled him. I started watching his tape. I'm like, whoa, the, he might be the safety, and here's why. If you watch his tape, this guy is 6'3", 220. He's a cornerback. He does not mind bringing a bone. Mm. He does not mind bringing the lumber, and I was like, nice. "Whoa!" I was like, "Hold on, player. Cornerbacks usually don't like yeah, lowering that shoulder. Yeah. They just want to, you know, tackle a wide receiver. They don't like coming up and run support. Let me knock the ball away. Let me catch it. And that cra- oh, run support is, uh, you know, they break contain. He leaves his man. He comes up and he's he's laying wood. So uh, with his size, he's he huge. Go, yes, with his size, I'm thinking he might he could be the replacement for Ha Ha Clinton Dix after after this one year rental. It's funny. I was reading uh, the Athletic uh, article on him today, and that's crossed my mind with safety because of his height. And I was thinking, like, how long is he going to play at cornerback? Not saying he can't, but it, I wonder, I was like, you know what? I wonder if they will put him at safety, which is, is a good thing, which is a good thing pointed out by you. Look, Chuck Pagano and Vic Fangio leaving. Uh, you look at the fact your strongest part was this defense. Now the guy that called the plays and ran the defense is gone. Uh, any thoughts on Chuck Pagano getting back to being the Ravens' Chuck Pagano, or are we going to see the guy that was the head coach that didn't have the good defense in Indianapolis? Oh, dude, Chuck Pagano, is, he is the happiest man on the face of the earth. He's like, I'm, today I'm the happiest man <laughs> on the face of the earth. Earth, 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 earth. earth, earth. Dude, he's got – do you think of what he's got? He's got Leonard Floyd. He's got Khalil Mack. He's got – uh, um, Roquan Smith. He's got uh, Danny Trevathan. Yeah. He's got Akeem Hicks. He's got Coleman. I mean, he, dude, Coleman. Yeah. I mean, he's got Pro Bowl, first team All NFL, not Pro Bowl, yeah. first team All NFL. A safety, uh, outside linebacker, and defensive tackle. Every single level, he's got a first team All NFL. Okay, this guy is gonna. And we know the thing about Chuck Pagano is he bring he dials it up. Mm-hmm. He dials it up. And you know what? As much as I love and I love Fangio for what he did, he brought this defense around. It was more of a bend but don't break type of defense. That front seven was just that damn good yeah. that, you know, very rarely did they they bend very much. Pagano's like, "Uh, oh, I got these I got these dogs. I'm sending them. Sick them." And I love it. I know these guys are going to love it. I know uh Kilo Max going to get I mean, he's salivating too. I mean, I can just Leonard Floyd, all these guys uh, he's going to send it, and you know it. As a uh, as an offensive coordinator, you know he's bringing pressure. It's bad enough when these guys are creating pressure and they're only bringing four, okay, maybe five. But if he brings five or six, yeah, it's going your quarterback better have a. Uh, I mean, you better be a really quick a hot route, and you better not. You better hope Kyle Fuller doesn't jump it or, or Prince of Mukamura because um, then they're going. It's, it's a house call six the other way. So um, I think I'm excited about Vic Fang- Vic Fangio. Doing his thing, but I'm even more excited about Chuck Pagano coming in and just dialing it up. Because as, as a, I was a defensive coordinator, believe it or not, when I coached. Oh, and uh, hmm. yeah, kind of odd, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, but uh, and I like to dial the pressure. Okay, you know what? If you had if you had the mismatch, you know who I look at. You know, you're in high school. You always got that one weak link on the line. Like, all right, who's the buster on this one? Okay, we're going over his. <laughs> <laughs> hey. It's it. kill or be kill or be killed. You know what I'm saying? That's how it is in football. You find the weak link, you know, and uh, we we come at him. I'll double team him. I'll I'll send two people in his gap, you know, and have him and crap his pants. Have him not, you know, usually a little shorter mm-hmm. fat kid, and like, oh, we're going after him all day. <laughs> all day. I tell my linebackers, you know, we watch on film. We 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 find him. We find him, find a weak link and go after him. So uh, Chuck Pagano's going to do the same. He's going to go bring bring the pressure, and I, and I think truth be told, they might even have. More interceptions than they did last year. So, hey, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Him being a defensive back coach, also. So, from the sounds of it, I mean, you say uh, buy some stock in the Bears next season. You got them going high. I do, I do. Um, I thought you know, double doink uh, really screwed it up for us. 
Um, here's why. I think they would have got to the NFC Championship game at least. Uh, I don't know how they would have done against the Saints. Um, that, with that defense, defense travels. Mm-hmm. So and it's in perfect conditions out on the dome, so it's not like you have to worry about mm-hmm. the elements. I think they would have gone and, and, uh, and whooped some ass in L.A. Yeah. L.A. was talking a lot of junk, yeah. saying, oh, if you come to L.A. and play us, uh, when it's warm, like mm-hmm. come on, dude. They you both had to play in the in the cold weather, okay? Right, it's not right. like L.A. played in the cold weather and the Bears were in warm weather. Come on, and so you, you know you're talking all that smack. Now you're making excuses for why 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 you got to hand it to you. Mm-hmm. That would have been brought up. That would have been used as motivation. I think they would have gone back out there in L.A. in warm weather and really taken it to them. And then when it got to the NFC Championship game, um, now again, how that would have turned out, I don't know. But I, I at least saw us get into the NFC Championship game. So I think this team is hungry. It's uh, unfinished business. And uh, I think there's a lot of motivation for um, for these guys coming back because they know darn well they did everything uh, in their power. Um, I shouldn't say everything, but they did enough to win yeah. that game. And the guy who, uh, when it came down to it, didn't do his job. Do you, I, what are your thoughts on the kicking situation? I'm, I'm a little annoyed. It's common sense, okay? We're in Chicago. We're going to have one of the best teams in the NFL. Don't give me a kicker out of Florida. Don't give me a kicker out of Texas, California, Arizona, who kicks in the dome. You give me the best kickers in the Midwest who kicked outside. So go to Michigan, go to Central Michigan, go to Eastern Michigan, go to Minnesota. Penn State. Go, go to Penn State. Okay, give me guys who've kicked out in the elements. Give me guys who've kicked in the snow, in the rain, in the slop. Okay, because that's what we're going to be kicking in because we're, we're going deep in the playoffs. We're going the, the divisional, we're going to the NFC Championship game is going to be here. In the next couple, next for the next couple of years. So we need a guy who can kick in here, a guy who can kick in the elements, a guy who's used to it. I don't care if you can kick fifty yards in in warm weather. Okay, everybody can kick 50, 60 yards in warm weather. Okay, how are you in the in the elements? Do that. Get a pool of those guys um, and choose the best one out of there because that's where it's going to come down to. Look, that's just a taste of what you can get from Sean and Maya in the morning, so make sure you check them out. We're going to continue this conversation, switch to a little bit of baseball, give you guys a little bit of that. We'll be right back, Dean Davis Show. Yo, what's up? This is Rashid Hadi, and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show. Yeah. Dean Davis Show. Hey, we are so happy to have Sean Sierra, co-host of the Sean and Maya in the morning show, right here in studio with us. Make sure you follow Sean on Twitter at the Sean Sierra. Uh, baseball time. Uh, listen, man, I, I know Ryan, Ryan and I was talking about this before y'all came up. The Cubs and how they're playing right now. And one Mr. Javi Baez, man. It was a, a nice, I, I wouldn't say Ryan and I was debating. But it's kind of like, okay, so who's the true cornerstone now when you think about the Chicago Cubs? Is it still Chris Bryant or is it Javi Baez? Sean, what do you say? Javi. Yeah, that's easy. It's it's easy. Even, is it easy now? It's really? not even close. It's not it's even easy. close. Not no more. Not even close. And it's not a diss to Chris Bryant. It's no, 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 no dis, no disrespect okay. to him whatsoever, yeah. dude. Javi's just a Mickey the, Ficky man. Yeah. And end of story. You know, he's he's dude, he's cool as a cat, man. Yeah, he is. You know, you said you seen that meme where he's sliding the third, yes. he slides back and just kind of <laughs> <laughs> I'm dude, I'm not even a Cub fan, man. I'm like I'm like Javi's he's smooth as butter. He's man. fun to watch. He's smooth as, yes. But the, the, the crazy thing about it is you don't realize of all the things he does, his baseball IQ is through the roof. Yep. It's through the roof. And you don't think about that because you think of all the uh, the, the the you know the the quick tags and the ducking and dodging the the, in the, the tag slides. at first base and the yeah. slides. Yeah, yeah. You think, but that's all baseball IQ. Mm-hmm. And you know, for him, as much flash as he has, you know, there's sizzle, but there's so much more substance underneath it. And that's what's really really awesome to watch about him. So yeah, it, it's hands down. It's not uh, 
It's not your. Uh, it's not Brizzo anymore. It's hands down Javi. Were you a doom and gloom guy? A lot of the times, any places that I appeared. I would beginning of the season I said that I thought the Cubs would be able to turn it around it was too early and to look at what they're doing now what they the, they lost the third series of the season was the, the last time they lost a series yep. I believe yeah. this yeah, year sound about right they had like nine in a row which I mean unless you think that's a small sample size that we were talking about at that time and it's the beginning of the season games. too yeah. yeah but I mean man, it, it was dire oh, yeah, it was bad it was bad people no had pitchforks he was ready to jump through the window <laughs> 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 but look what are some of the things that, through this turnaround that you think is sustainable that you've noticed uh, what the Cubs have been doing over the last three or four weeks individually or as a team as a team Yo, give us both. The the pitching is better, mm-hmm. hands down. Um, pitching is way, way better. Um, once when Lester went down is when it really started. Jose Quintana had those couple starts where he was was like fourteen uh, hitless innings, scoreless innings. I think it was twenty one innings that he had. Uh, it was one run earned a run given up. Cole Hamels, pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you Darvish. Uh, he's doubled his win total from last year. <laughs> so, so there's a there's All the a way he is up. Oh, that's bad. Uh, and then the professor is, is just a professor. I mean, he goes out there and um, he he's just he's so nasty because he he throws what eighty nine. You know, I don't even know if he hits ninety. And he he's striking dudes out and or he's he's getting you to uh, he pitches the contact and you know that pitching staff really turned it around once Lester went down. They really stepped up in a, in a big way. And when you get when you give your team a chance. Uh, that lineup, it's still potent. It's not. Let's not get it twisted, man. These dudes, we're talking MVP Chris Bryant. We're talking Anthony Rizzo. We're talking Javi Baez, of MVP. We're talking Wilson Contreras. We're talking a uh, guy who still hasn't even turned on yet, and that's Kyle Schwarber. That's five guys in the lineup right there. So you got the pitcher at six, and Jay Hay was hitting very well last year. He started to do well. Not not for power, but he's still getting hits. Mm-hmm. We're talking six, seven guys in that lineup out of the eight. Yeah. Okay, and those guys can take take over a game. Listen, I think I can go on a ledge and say this. This offense right now could be better than what the offense they had uh, when they won the World Series. The oh, yeah. run, different, uh, run oh, differential, yeah. differential right now is plus 54. And as you just said, Schwarber was hot then. He hasn't been able to get hot right now. I don't know if he's ever going to get back to that point where he was the way he was raking it. But, man, this offense right now, with the pitchings there, they can be just as dangerous when they make, if they make it to the playoffs than they won when they won it all. I said they at the beginning of the year. I said they're going to win the division, and that's no disrespect to Milwaukee, no disrespect to St. Louis, who's retooled with uh, mm-hmm. Goldschmidt. Um, you know the Pirates are still down there. And, I mean Cincinnati, they like to mess everything up, so to speak. That's that one team that you just can't shake. You yeah, can, yeah, you could have they can have ten wins. They can have ten wins, and they still give the Cubs mm-hmm. the flux. You know what I mean? Eight of them against the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they give them the flux. It's like how how are they how are they this team? That you know they. You know they got high school players and they still get them, but it's just it's one of those teams. But uh, I picked them because this team is too damn good. Mm-hmm. They are too good. I mean, you you have legitimately four to five um, MVP candidates in that in that lineup. Legit, you got one or MVP already in Chris Bryant. Rizzo's in the conversation every year. Wilson Contreras mm-hmm. was in the conversation before he got hurt uh, mm-hmm. in seventeen, and last year he decided not to train. And then now you got Javi Baez. So there's four guys right off the top. I mean, you and they're boom, 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 boom. One, two, three, four. You know what I mean? So. Uh, how do you get around him? You pitch around Brian. Okay, well, you can pitch around Brian to get to, to Rizzo. Well, if you want to pitch around Rizzo, you know, you got Javi. I mean, you pitch around Javi, then you have Contreras. It's a modern day, you know, I hate to say it because I'm not a Cub fan, but damn, that's murderer's role. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's sick right now, man. Dean Davis, Dean Davis recording at the score in studio right now. We're lucky enough to have Sean Sierra with us. Follow him at Sean, the Sean Sierra. Sean, look, individually, what are some of the things that start to kick up with this team that you start to notice that has them in this positive situation right now going forward? Javi, uh, we'll start with, with him. He's the most popular uh, guy out there right now. Um, two things. He laid off the, the white ball pitch in the dirt. Mm. He laid off the high heat. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And I, I guess a, th- a third thing is uh, he decided to go the opposite way. He's comfortable going the opposite way. If you want to pitch him away, fine. He's got enough power. He'll slap a single to the right field. He'll slap. He'll he'll uh, knock one out uh, out of the ballpark to right field. So he's more he's more than comfortable. And he, he actually likes. He doesn't mind going opposite field. He's a lot like Derek Jeter, you know, who would slap it the other way. But he's got a lot more power than Derek Jeter. And so he would go the opposite way. And you know, and so that that really. Now you really got to play straight up when, when he bats. You can't shift. You can't really move your, def- your defense any way, shape, or form because, you know, he might just be good enough to hit it right where you're not. What do you think about Joe Madden's situation? I think, dude, it's crazy. How the hell is, is you not give a guy who he brought a ended a 108-year streak and he's been to the playoffs every year, three NLCS titles, um, three NLCS appearances, excuse me, uh, sandwiching a World Series, and you don't just give this guy an extension? That's ridiculous, you know? And you got this this, this bozo over on on, uh, on the west side getting an extension <laughs> and, and Jim Boylan, you know? It just goes to Speak show you that the truth. It, it's, it's terrible, you know? I mean, he should have a—the question of Joe Madden is like, all right, how long do you want to manage? Yeah. Because uh, this is the last stop you're going to have, okay? But they're, they're not doing it that way. You know, the, uh, I believe there's some friction uh, between him and, him and Theo, Um they're never going to say it, but you know what? You don't bring, you know, you, you got rid of of John Maley and um, was it Duncan, the pitching, the original pitching coach that took him. Oh, Bazio, yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right, then you go bring in. You bring in. Uh, uh, after that, you said, Theo said this. He said, you know, the staff is Joe's decision. Mm-hmm. So Joe brings in his guys, and you know what? Was it Hickey or Duncan? Yeah, Hickey. Hickey. I don't know why I get yeah. Duncan. Yeah, so he brings in Duncan and 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 uh, a Hickey and uh, Chili Davis, mm-hmm. and uh, after one year, yeah, he, he pulls them. Okay, I think Davis was the wrong type of coach mm-hmm. for this team, for that team, I should say. But nonetheless, you got rid of them, so now you got three hitting coaches in three years, three pitching mm-hmm. coaches in three years, and now now in place are the the kind of guys that the the organization wants. So it's just it's it's befuddling as to why you wouldn't give this guy whatever the heck he wants because. He deserved it. He brought this team a World Series. He keeps these Eagles in check. He, he He's very Zen-like and very Phil Jackson-like, and he's able to get the best out of everybody. Okay, let's go to the South Side. Hey, South Side. Hey, what's wrong with the South Side right now, man? I'm good. I'm good with yeah. the South Side, man. I'm yeah. happy with the I'm hitting. I'm good with the South Side. I'm happy with the hitting on the South Side. Yes. I'm really, really, really concerned about pitchers going down at a rapid pace on the South Side. That, that is, is, that is troubling. And that's been one of the keys to our team. Like, for instance, when this rebuild started, and usually when you look at the Cubs, you look at Houston, a lot of teams that have done the teardown have usually gone with everyday players. And us as Sox fans know, the Sox have had a problem with developing everyday players. But when it comes to pitching, they can fix your problem in your pitcher, and Don Cooper can have them out there. And this can go all the way through the minor league system with pitchers coming from different uh, minor league teams or whatever. But when you look at the fact that Rodon's out with the arm, Dunning's out with the arm, Kopech was out last year with the arm – it's like what? Zach Birdie. Yeah, 
like, what? what's going down in the minor leagues? I, I'm not going to put this on Coop because most of the time Coop didn't have these guys. Mm-hmm. But what's going on in the minor leagues where a team, remember, they, the White Sox were heralded as we've had uh, the least amount of pitchers on the, 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 the injured list out of any team in the majors. And that's not what's taking place now. And with them keying on pitchers for this rebuild, it's kind of alarming when you had these guys going down. And that's the second uh, uh, Tommy John for Rodon. He had Rodon, the one yeah. in school. So yeah. what are your thoughts on the, what's taking place with the pitching on the south side before we get to the good stuff? It's really frustrating. It really, really is. Um, it's really frustrating when you, uh, you know, last year I was at Kopex game when he came up. And, man, you I mean, there was an energy at, at Sox Park that I haven't felt in years. Yeah. You know, they sold um, – because he, he was announced that day, I believe, that he was coming up and I was doing the show – and I'm like, dude, I'm there. Mm-hmm. I'm there. I'm going, man. I'm there. And they sold an extra 10,000, t- seven to 10,000 tickets, mm-hmm. walk ups that day. Mm-hmm. Um, people wanted to see him. And, you know, you want to, uh, you know, you want, you want to keep it going. And, you know, if it wasn't for the rain, like his first four starts. Yeah. You know? I was in one of the rainouts. <laughs> and it was great. The energy was there. And he pitched like maybe an inning or two and yeah. then boom. Yep. And so it was frustrating to see that happen. It's frustrating to see these other guys happen because you're starting to see some of the position players uh, do well. You're starting to see Yuan Moncada when we were talking about him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Tim, An- TA7, Tim Anderson mm-hmm. throwing bats at people. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm liking that kind of party. James McCann, who the hell is this guy? All star level playing right who now. Who the hell is this guy? Yes. Thank you, Detroit. I mean, you knew you had you knew you had yeah. him uh, de- uh, defensively. You knew it was good, but, yeah, but who the hell is this guy? Breaking. I mean, he's he's knocking a snot out of the ball. So, um, you know, I, I'm I'm uh, frustrated with the pitching. Um, the one thing that I think they need to do is go go buy it. Yeah, go buy it. Would you go out and sign Dallas Keuchel? Hell yeah! We're saying that for. Here's why. Here's I was why, pushing for it at the beginning of the season. Here's why you do it now because once the because uh, right now you have to give up a second round a compensatory pick. Mm-hmm. Okay, who cares? Mm-hmm. Who the hell cares? Very When's true. the second round pick gonna, gonna produce for you? Two or three or four years? Mm-hmm. That you give him a two or three or four year contract. Well, and guess what? It, it's about the same time. And then there's no there's no uh, guarantee that whoever you pick is coming up to, is going to be productive once he finally gets up there. So oh damn it! <laughs> Come on, you gotta be kidding me! Oh, Hoji is not happy. Didn't uh? <laughs> yeah, you got that one, dude. No, I didn't call that. I, I didn't thought call you were that. the I Bulls said, are picking seventh, everyone I, I in the said, upcoming draft. I said Sydney. I said Sydney called like six or seven. Uh-huh. Dean Davis show right here. Um, <laughs> as we get in that break, that great breakdown for Sean Sierra about the Chicago White Sox. Uh, yes, the Bulls are now uh, slated to draft at number seven once again. That's three seasons in a row at number seven. Three seasons in a row for the number seven pick. Oh my God! I'm just waiting for it. This thing is fixed. It is. Yeah, it's not fixed. Who it's came up? The, but thanks. Who who jumped up? No, no, not the Hawks. No, someone is up high. Yes, yeah, Memphis is. and Memphis. the Lakers. Uh, oh, where's Charlotte? Oh, idiot, no number twelve. All right. So, so LeBron worked his way to get Zion Williamson. Is yes. that what happened? Wow. Is that what happened? The two biggest markets in the NBA are up there, not the third. Yep. Yep. Oh, but look, hey, hey, look at New Orleans and look at Memphis. You never, yeah, that's, you never that's, know. Hey, wow. maybe looking at New Orleans, we're taking a hard right turn right here, but maybe looking at New Orleans, maybe they'll be able to, if they get the number one pick, they'll be able to kick Anthony Davis down. Yeah, there. they said they're willing to trade it, trade him for the number one pick. Wow. wow. That's, they're going to they, they're gonna trade. They said they would, they're willing to do that, so that's good stuff. For them, what right. you want? Sean, let's, oh my goodness. Let's get back to the, the socks and the hidden. I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I'm <laughs> telling you, I feel good about the South Side, Yeah, I do man. too. I do too. Listen, before this I season, 
Were you down on Makata? Did you think that he was going to start to reach the high cities they've been hitting this year? I was hoping this year would be his year. You know what? And here's why. I, I wasn't down on him and because of the fact of this. Last year, he got rung up the most. According to StatCast, he got called out on strikes more than anybody on pitches that were not strikes. Mm-hmm. Okay? So his eye is unbelievable. Yep. But, dude, you're a rookie. You ain't getting these calls. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going against a veteran pitcher, a guy who's been in the league a couple of years. And by, and plus, the, the strike zone changes every day. It change, mm-hmm. It could change during the game. Depend, I mean, because it yeah. it's, depends on the umpire behind the plate. Mm-hmm. So the thing about him is he just wasn't aggressive. You know, and everything else, he'd take walks, and he's like, you know, it's not a strike. And technically, it wasn't a strike. But as he re- as the season went on, he had to learn, in which he's made that adjustment this year. Like, if it's a tweener pitch, if it could be a strike, I got to foul it off. I got to fight it off somehow, some way, and get another pitch. Uh, maybe the, the pitcher makes a mistake. Maybe he gives me uh, something center cut, something. But it may, maybe he's, you know, maybe I can sit on a, one of his pitches uh, and 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 take care of it. He's doing that a lot this year, and I didn't think he'd be doing it to this level this year so fast. Mm-hmm. But he came out the gates like. Carl Lewis, dude, he came out the gates, Ben Johnson's tile. I was like, man, what is up with this dude? He was he's hitting everything. His exit velocity is it's ridiculous. Crazy. It was a home run last night. Yeah, uh, yeah. which, which one? Yeah, that's right. No, the first one. Uh, the one that one ten. Yeah, yeah. He hooked the he hooked the right field foul yeah. pole, and I then he, his eyes go apple. Right. And that's from both, both from the left side of the plate. Yeah. So this guy, you know, you you can't shift on him either because he's he's hitting it all over the park. You know, the, this is. Uh, this is the, the what you wanted. This is what we saw, what we were hoping when we got the number one player in the minor league system, yep. and he's starting to live up to that. You know what's funny is a shortstop and a third baseman on both sides of town are both killing. Hot. Killing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I didn't even think about it like that. Look, speaking of the shortstop, Tim Anderson has performed terrific. He was AL player of the month last month. Uh, what are some of the gains that he had this year that you didn't expect for him to get this year? The consistency. Yeah, I thought he was. Uh, he had a great year last year. Uh, really good last year. Not great, but this year he's he's dialed in. And you know, people forget that they're human. And you, you got to remember last year that you know his his uh, his good his best friend, the god the godfather of his daughter, mm-hmm. was shot and killed in back in, in uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, yeah, and Alabama. That's right, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where he's from. And mm-hmm. you know that he's human, man. It's gonna it's gonna affect you. And you know, I know you sometimes athletes. You know, they, they dive into the work like a Patrick Kane did when he had a situation as Russell should be doing now. Yeah. But sometimes it just it just it just hits you hard and you know, um it, it affected him. You know, if ands or buts, like last year Rizzo with the, the shooting at his school, you know what I'm saying? His mm. high school. Mm. These these things affect professional players because you're a millionaire has nothing to do with the fact that you don't care about people. And that was his that was his guy. That was his, his road dog, his A one from day one, you know what I mean? And it was tough for him to deal with. And he as you know, the, the Sox got him uh therapy. And as the season came out, went on, he started to come out of out of you know that funk, mm-hmm. and he started hitting. You know, mentally he came out of the funk, and then he started to play better. And I think this year he he came in with a free mind. He's like he bumped this. I'm just gonna have fun, and he's having fun knocking the balls all over the yard. I mean, he's 2020 last year, you know. And I've, I've asked uh, um, Ozzy Junior, who's been on the show. I've asked uh, Scott Merkin, I, you know, what do you think this guy can be? You know, uh, 25, 25, 30, 30, 40, 40. Mm-hmm. Some guys said 30, 30. Okay. If he gets 30-30, I'm happy. That's not, it just seems like it seems as if it's just finally just clicked for him, too. 
Yeah. It's on. It's out there on the field. Because yeah, I mean, listen. I remember when we went last year. We got the bobbleheads, and I was like, man, I hope this bobblehead is worth something. It is now. <laughs> it like I was looking at it the other day. I was like, yeah, Tim Madison bobblehead. <laughs> it looks like it has finally clicked. It's going like that. It's still in a box. I'm not touching it. It's still in a box. Uh, but him and my kind of man, it just seems as if they finally clicked. And I was actually speaking to someone at work today. I was like, man, listen, it's possible that the Bulls. I mean, the Bulls. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about the Bulls up here. Uh, the White Sox could possibly have three. All stars, mm-hmm. McCann, McConnell, and Anderson. It's yeah. very, very possible. The pitching is that you know what I'm saying. Just kind of duct tape the pitching for the rest of the season, but let this offense go. You never know. You never know what they're going to do. Looking at the standards right now, they're 19 and 22. I believe the stat oh, came today, up yeah. after the after today. Yeah, I was that was that was sorry, but you're going to have those kind of games though. And I think I think as a White Sox fan, you just got to know you're going to have those kind of games. You know, if you keep and I said keep fighting, give me plus or minus. Four games for five hundred. Give me plus or minus four. Yep. All right. Because yep. right now we're at three, two or two, three under. Yesterday we were two under before today's game. You know they're going to probably get close to. You know um, they're going to get close to five hundred and then maybe fall again. Uh huh. All right. You keep doing. You stay that. And right now we're in the middle of May. You you st- you keep messing around doing that, losing games like that, and you know hovering around five hundreds in. Uh, wow. <laughs> in June. Zion Williams is a pelican, everybody. What'd I just say, y'all? What'd I just say? Wow. What did I just say? It's going to be able to keep him down there, keep AD down there now. He's not staying there. To hey, you never that. know. Hey, you got this young buck down there running. What, what he's been able to do, hey, maybe they'll entice him. Listen, uh, I'm it's trying this, to win. That's a new Boogie Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Minus the, ten, the torn AC, uh, Achilles. Uh, new Orleans Pelicans have just won the number one uh, pick in the NBA draft lottery. So that's he was bonafide just go ahead and say right here that Zion Williamson is going to be in New Orleans. And let's see. Well, yeah, Memphis at number two. So but yeah, see, you have Conley. Remember, yeah, but, but they were trying, they may have shopped might, him last year. True, true, true. So if he's out the Yigo Ja. Oh, wait, we gotta do this finishes. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Sean, real quick. We definitely gotta get uh real Sean's quick, You gave us your prediction on the Cubs. You had them winning the division. Mm-hmm. Where do you have the Sox finishing this year? After all this transpired, um, I say third, maybe fourth. Okay. Um, no one wants to take the Central. Nobody wants to take. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, they're, they're avoiding that like the plague. I'm surprised Minnesota's doing what they're doing. It's like, what the hell is going on up there? Yeah, I know. Uh, which reminds me, I got to get, uh, what's his name on uh, the call the show? Um, uh, Hayes, uh, Dan Hayes, because he's up writing for Minnesota now. I got to find out what's going on up there because I, I, I had no idea Minnesota was going to be like this. But they, it's actually only six teams back. Think of all the games. How many games have they blown already? Four? Yeah. yeah. Five? Mm-hmm. Add that to the win column. All of a sudden now you're, 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 you're in the mix. Yes. You're fighting for the division yes. lead. Um, I don't think now that all these starters, these pitchers have gone down, um, I, I was hoping that they I thought beginning of the year they would fight for a wild card spot and then fade at the end and not get it. Um, but now if, if this – if the NL Cent- AL Central continues to go this way, they still have a shot. Yep. Be, they, you know what? Because of their offense, they got a puncher's chance. Yep. yep. They got a puncher's chance. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do somehow sneak into the playoffs. You know, with a with an eighth seed. Um, I don't think they will. I, I still I think they're still learning how to win, but that can change. You know, they can they can start to click. They can win. Start winning series after series after series. Not a big winning streak, but just two out of three, two out of three, two out of three, and that's all you need. I mean, if you go two out of three the whole year, that's a hundred hundred wins. Yeah. You know what I mean? People don't think about that. You could never have more than a three game winning streak and win a hundred games. 
it's just it's you know taking it you know one one game at a time. So uh, that's what they need to do. They need to work on uh, you know taking it one game at a time. And uh, I just think that as of right now, I don't think they'll make the playoffs. They they have a shot because no one wants to take the central. But until something changes, until they go get Dallas Keiko or someone to put at the top of the rotation and give you a damn chance, you know, and stop taking, stop snatching uh, defeat from the jaws of victory, you know, it's like, come on, man. Like they've done four or five times. Um, I, I just think they're just going to miss out this year. The next year, I think it's going to be uh, big time. The window opens next year. I'm just happy to see how they're playing. I'm happy to see what the offense is. If they're able to finish the season, as you said, Sean, maybe like four or five games under 500. That's a huge. That's like fifteen a fifteen game improvement. Huge improvement. I just make and one thing as we always say around here, entertaining. Yeah. As long as we have a good fun summer on the south side, and you're out there competing, and you're kind of like maybe finishing third. Hey, I, I think that's a success. You keep hitting homers like that, and, and yeah. you know, Tim Anderson's going yard, Moncada's going yard. You got to if you're in the bleachers, you got to duck when he hits a homer. You yeah, got to duck, yes. <laughs> or bring your gloves to the bleachers because that's for that, that Joker is that exit velocity that he's got. I mean, he's turning on. He's built like a football player, like a running back. Dude. It's awesome. But uh, you know, I, I just I I agree with you, D. I, I want uh, I want entertainment. I want it to be fun. You know, and, and the cool thing is like you know the old saying, Ricky boys, Ricky's boys don't quit. I love mm-hmm. it. Uh, they'll they'll put a three spot, a crooked number up on that board late yeah, in the game, real so, quick. You know, I I just want them to keep keep uh, keep battling, and then you know you get Lewis Robert up here, Mick Rodolfo up here, mm-hmm. um, Dylan Cease up here. You should be up here already. Um, who when else? is Eloy coming back? We ever heard any news? He about He starts that? a rehab assignment tomorrow, mm-hmm. I believe, tomorrow. down in uh, Charlotte. All right. Yeah, and he's another one, dude. Man, I forgot yeah. I forgot about him because he's been on the injured list, dude. He, remember, he was getting they were giving him a unhealthy dose of sliders, mm-hmm. and they were getting him out. And he's like, okay, he's like, sigue in Spanish, you know, sigue, keep it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he got his first hit, first two hits off of sliders, and then and then all of a sudden he went yard in New York twice, and now now you can't throw no sliders anymore because he's he makes those adjustments quickly. And I was like, wow, the ability for him like Moncada to make the adjustments um, that quick. Those those two are going to be special. Listen, you you got a full taste of great sports talk from Sean today, and that's half of yes, Sean yes. and Maya. Maya is just as good as he is, so you should know. Nine to noon, Logic Radio, Sean and Maya app on Facebook. Go to Facebook slash Sports Chica slash post. You're going to get this every morning. It's quality, great sports talk. Make sure you follow them. Follow Sean at the Sean Sierra. Sean, we definitely appreciate it, bro. Oh, man. Thanks for having me up here, man. Yes, it was a blast. No doubt, man. No, it was definitely great talk. Look, we're going to come back and uh, unfortunately talk about the Bulls and uh, where they're going to draft from that. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Davis Show. Yo, what up? It's your man, Jay Ella. Official Chicago Bears DJ, and you are listening to the D and Davis Show. Turn it up. The seventh pick belongs to the Chicago Bulls. Wow. <laughs> so we know where Chicago will be drafting now. <laughs> All right. That means the Lakers, Grizzlies, and Pelicans have moved up. Two more to go. Wow. D and Davis show. Uh, it's time to break down the NBA draft lottery. It has happened. And, you know, we had to go to our guy, our main man, Tony Gill, executive producer of the Lawrence Holmes show, which you hear Monday through Friday right here. We're recording at 670 score, but you listen to it on 670 score from noon to two. Tony, what's going on, man? How does it feel down there? Bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Bulls are drafting at number seven, Tony. What do you think? Again. Again, again, yes. It's called home. Um, it certainly feels like the season was wasted. Um, that 
there was a chance for the Bulls to change their fortunes, um, a chance for the Bulls, for the narrative to switch um, about the Bulls around the league. Uh, and the opportunity wasn't had uh, tonight in the uh, in the lottery. And uh, it's, uh, from what I was talking to around the people, I talked to Woj, talked to uh, Jay Williams and some, uh, some others, um, they seem pretty optimistic about the Bulls going forward and where they landed, which was kind of shocking. Um, but they were like, yeah, there's talent, there's point guards to be had um, at seven, uh, which is a dire need for the Bulls, um, considering that they had literally one of the worst point guard plays in the league last year. But, I mean, you talk about Kobe White. Um, that was mentioned multiple times from North Carolina. Uh, that For him being an option, uh, specifically by Jay Williams, who was a point guard, um, saying that he may not have been as touted as John Moran, but he is almost, you know, as equally effective. Um, so, but, uh, but they don't know the local market and what this draft meant. I mean, this lottery meant to the city and the potential that it could have had, and it just was missed today. Dude, it hurts. <laughs> I mean, to sit there, we were interviewing uh, Sean Sierra. And we're looking up, and you're seeing, and you're like, you, automatically, when you saw Atlanta got, uh, before the Bulls, you're like, man, the Bulls got a chance mm-hmm. right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the next thing you do is you see the Bulls, and it's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Number seven. And the Knicks and the Lakers are still in the running. It was like, dude, come on. And, like, th- this is the key. One thing that you said, Tony, mm-hmm. you, you had a, such a terrible year this year. And, again, you had a terrible year and didn't get anything out of it. You could have had a worse year record-wise if you did what you're supposed to do when you were basically tanking. And I can't, but look, I can't even really get on them as much for that because shout out to the NBA. This new draft, man, yeah. tanking it didn't work like it used to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. I mean, it, the the new system it provided an extra layer of drama. Yeah, uh, for the entire situation. I mean, we were sitting there as. The TV show was going on, and it was it was weird because you know we can hear everything that they were saying uh, over the air, uh, and it was it, it, I'm telling you that everybody was just completely engaged uh, to what was going on and 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 how and I think the NBA it, they succeeded they added another layer yep. of entertainment um, to something that was just kind of well if you're bad you know you're just going to end up with a top pick and that certainly wasn't the case tonight. Um, where the Lakers almost got them. Yeah, <laughs> almost got number four, right? <laughs> oh, they, yeah. the Lakers ended up at number four. Uh, but, I mean, the league, they got the job done and provided another layer of drama, and it sucks as a Bulls fan, but are we all entertained? I would say yes. Yeah. Real quick, uh, the Pelicans got number one, the Grizzlies number two, the Knicks number three, the Lakers number four, Cleveland number five, the Suns number six, and the Bulls number seven, and the Hawks got number eight. Uh, listen, it's funny because you heard rumors that perhaps uh, the fact that Zion wanted to play in a small market was well, Zion. If that's true, you got what you, you got wanted. What, yeah, you got but it right then, for sure. Remember when Duke was playing up in Madison Square Garden and uh, uh-huh. they asked a question and and, and uh, Zion he kicked it up to RJ. Hey RJ, the Knicks at number three. You may get what you want. That's your team, <laughs> and, and it just might happen. Now, but look, right? let me ask you this: I, I, I think none of us expect the Bulls 
to be out of the draft lottery next year. I would think the Bulls should be somewhere, best case scenario, perhaps around 12, 13. Exactly, D. So look, now the, I, I'm going to the next year like the Bulls got a chance to get the number one pick in the draft. <laughs> if the draft oh. is this crazy, what, what, what can I who, say? Who, who knows? Dude, listen, you can have the back when we grew up, if you had the 13th or 14th pick, you didn't have a chance in hell. The Lakers uh-huh. got number four. Crazy, yeah. uh, Tony. Um, considering new odds, there's certainly obviously a chance for the Bulls to nab it. Um, but I, I don't know, guys. I mean, from what John and what the, the the team feel like, they feel like they are going to be in contention. I mean, you heard Michael Reinsdorf on our station, six seven eight score. Um, confident that next year there's going to be a significant jump. Yep. Um, I think they all believe that. And then from what I'm hearing around, you know, just talking to, you know, Chris Herring and people, you know, around the league that, I mean, there's a good possibility that they're not in, you know, lottery contention um, next season, but still not good enough to make any significant, you know, runs, you know, of any kind like that, obviously. Uh, but, I mean, if you're a Bulls fan, I, I would say what you what you want because of the new odds, you want a lackluster season. You want you know another season of growth, and I know it's it's going to be difficult to kind of decipher the two because you do want to see improvement from Larry Marketing. Uh, you do want to see improvement uh, from Zach Levine, but at what cost to the long term health of the team? I don't know. Real quick, oh, real quick. So yesterday when. Uh, I was on the Stick to the Thrones podcast of Tony's. After the show, Tony mentioned that Michael Porter was going off. And, Tony, when you first said it and I was looking away, I thought you said Otto Porter. And I was like, going to say, like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to ask you, define Otto Porter going off. <laughs> what does that mean? So, look, Tony, how was your first uh, NBA uh, draft lottery? Oh, man, it was amazing. Um, the NBA really did a great job. Um, I didn't know the Hilton Hotel was this big. Like, it's really oh, it's big. Huge. And it's, and, I mean, just the multiple levels of just large conference rooms is ridiculous, especially in the downtown area. I'm like, man, their rent must be crazy. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> He's thinking about rent. They own that, Tony, to let you know. Um, but, um, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, just seeing everybody in their element, the, the, the biggest – you know, journalism stars, Mark Spears and, you know, uh, Woj and uh, Jay and everybody just, you know, around doing their thing. It was, it was, I had to just take it all in, just had to take a step back and just be kind of, you know, be grateful that I'm able to be here um, and just enjoy the moment and kind of take advantage of uh, the spots uh, where I can be. Uh, so, but yeah, it, it was a great time. Dean Davis show on the line with us right now. Anthony Gill, Tony Gill, is better call him, uh, producer, executive producer down here at six seventy to score. All right, Tony. So, um, all right, the Bulls are number seven. What do they do? Obviously, I mean, ultimately, you have to take best player available. Um, at this point, they were going to do that regardless, with no thought about you know any position issues or position battles. So, I think you keep that same mentality and uh, ultimately also address. The needs and the biggest need is that point guard and i know chris dunn is you know taking a taking a deep breath of uh a relief of, yeah. <laughs> of relief because at least you know john moran won't be you know a chicago bull um but again like i said before when we start this interview that 
there's still going to be point guards to be had and fairly decent point guards. Um, and uh, specifically Kobe White from North Carolina, I think he is a pretty good guard. I think he can get the job done. Um, again, not a game-changer, franchise-changer, but I think the Bulls will fall right into highest-floor guy. Um, and he may be all right, probably will. But, and I don't want to disrespect the Bulls drafting. I mean, they draft fairly well, considering. I, I don't want to disrespect that aspect at all. Um, but going into this draft, they're just going to take best player available, and they're just going to be fine. So your, your theory of them moving the pick, that's pretty much dead? Yeah, that was wishful thinking on my on my <laughs> end. We talked about it on the Lawrence Owen show. And I was just trying to trick myself into thinking that it could be possible. But considering what the Bulls have currently and the lack of valuable assets uh, that they have, they, I mean, seven in this draft and the players that you have on your roster won't really do much uh, for anybody at the top um, or near the top or that can get you anywhere near there. I mean, they're so far behind um, at seven. It's just they would have to basically just say, hey, we'll give you Laurie Wendell and Zach Levine plus the pick, (laughs) you know, and they're definitely not going to do that. So they're just, they're stuck again at seven. And again, they'll take, best player available, and it'll probably be a point guard. D mentioned that perhaps Zion going to the Pelicans will want make Anthony Davis want to stay. I say BS. What do you think? Wait, can you read the question? D said that perhaps Zion going to the Pelicans will make Anthony Davis decide to stay. I said BS. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think so. I think it actually makes it easier for them to trade him. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have to deal with another season of lollygagging of him making subliminal t-shirt <laughs> you know, remarks. Um, they, I mean, I was watching. Um, I can't. I can't remember the uh, the head coach of New Orleans, but David Griffin. I mean, they were hugging and yeah. every everybody was in, in the New Orleans camp. They were, you know giving each other high fives and stuff like that. It's crazy. David Griffin got LeBron James, you know, and now he's got Zion Williamson. That's, that's weird. But, I mean, it makes it easier for them to move on because they have a legitimate, the most hyped players since LeBron James at, at their grasp, and they can rebuild, they can retool, um, and move on from uh, Anthony Davis. And ultimately, Anthony Davis gets what he, gets what he wants, and he can leave now. And you can get the house for Anthony Davis too. Yeah, hey, well, but who has the yeah. house? Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it got kicked around Boston, but yeah, Tony, who who do you think that they are probably try to target now? Um, wait, wait, who who? If if uh, with New Orleans, I mean, who's a team out there that you know saying they would want to oh, do business now, this, with? This, yeah. this puts. I mean, they're in a great position yeah. to succeed yeah. uh, with the number one pick. Plus, you know that they, they can literally go all right. Who's bringing? Who's giving us the most? Mm-hmm. Basically, mm-hmm. now that they have the golden ticket in their hand, they're just saying anything we get for Anthony Davis from right now is going to be an add-on, and they're going to get a haul still for Anthony Davis, uh, despite having one less year on his uh, contract. But I think the, the deals are are still the same. They're they're going to get a lot for a superstar in his prime, um, and. They should be happy. If you're a New Orleans Pelicans fan, you should be rejoicing in the streets right now. 
because you got the number one pick and you're going to get assets from Anthony Davis. Well, that's Tony Gill. Make sure you check out the whole Lawrence Holmes show every weekday from noon to two. You're going to hear Anthony on there, his executive producer. Mm-hmm. He also is uh, the stick to the thrones guy and the behind the headlines guy with Julie DeCara. He does it all. Did you say hi to Rachel Nichols? Nichols? Nicholson? I didn't. As she was doing some hits and I wanted to say hi, I stuck around. I lingered a little bit, talked to uh, Ooh, a bunch of you people. You was pervy out there. <laughs> no, man, she was parking. So, you know, I got to respect that. So I just talked to other people, um, and then I missed it. But, uh, but yeah, every, everybody's cool here. I mean, I, the basketball crowd is just a different, you know, crowd. Everybody's mm-hmm. nice. Everybody's, you know, even in the scrums, people are like, oh, my bad, excuse me. You know, it's all good. So I, I, I just, again, I'm just grateful that I get to be around these people. Keep it up, T. Thanks, Tony. All right. Thanks, guys. And that was Tony Gill. Make sure you follow Tony on Twitter at TonyGill670. Uh, to executive producer of the Lawrence Holmes Show. And it, it, it just does everything down here. So What are you doing? What happened? He didn't cut off his mic. He's over there fiddly winking with his computer. So the click his sound mic, came on. I thought his mic was off. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Yeah, messing up over there. Well, uh, the Bulls have number seven, Ken. You all right, man? I don't know. I, you, it, it, it's, I'm not that offended. You got something to say, guy? You got up like you. Y'all got up like. <laughs> if you I was, got something to say, guy. If you want to bless, if you want to bless the mic, I don't know, guys. Like, yeah, I, I don't even want to talk about Something's on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me preach to them right quick. Uh, I don't know for some odd reason. I didn't think that they was going to get the number one or number two pick anyway. So that's kind of like uh, <laughs> forget right, the number yeah. one. They didn't get four. They didn't get four. Yeah, I, I thought they was going to get four. They fell further down. Come on, man. Wrap the show up. All right. <laughs> we'll, up we, we'll, we'll talk about it all this later. We'll break down. Break it down. Yeah, talk, this does yeah. not help with Game of Thrones not being what it's supposed to be. Damn. You wanted Game of Thrones to be in this show, didn't you? You hate me, Ryan. You hate me. How am I going to make him mad this show? What are you talking about? I want to comment on the terrific work you did yesterday. <laughs> I just need, now I need Zach to come in here doing some in-game stuff right now. I told you in-game was better. <laughs> I side I side with Zach. Oh, uh, hey, listen. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and, and on Instagram at D and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D and Davis Show. Download the podcast, rate, share, subscribe, all that. Do all that. All right. iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, Spotify, and YouTube. All right. I'm on Twitter at Demons One. Ken's on Twitter at That's Davis. Ryan's on Twitter at Ryan B. Ski. Guy is on Twitter at Pay the Guy. Thanks to Ryan and Guy. Also, thanks to Brian Kabrowski for coming on and Sean Sierra for coming in studio. Yes, yes. Last but not least, Tony Gill. And make sure you always check out the Lawrence Holmes Show at 670. We love you, Mitch. Uh, we will be back next week to give you another Dan Davis show. Probably be a little bit more baseball oriented since basketball is kicking us no, in the nuts. No, we're going to talk about basketball. Basketball's more, right? kicking us in the nuts. No, more basketball. My nuts are sore. Basketball is sore. We got the playoffs. We got the Bulls. I, need a, I need a football No game. playoffs in Chicago, <laughs> D. So and forever. I need another football guest next week. No. Help me, Ryan. We're all basketball help now. Me, help me. All basketball and baseball. I'm dying out here. I have seven wishes and none of them are any good. <laughs> Make sure you check out Dan Davis to flip. Uh, we'll definitely be giving you a new flip this Monday. Hopefully you enjoy it. And we always appreciate you rocking with us. And because we appreciate it, don't do anything stupid before you hear from us again. Keep your hands to yourself.